Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, <laughs> you know what we're talking about. Absolute fucking bullshit. Unprofessional bullshit. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. <laughs> you just you just getting new drops, ain't telling nobody. Yeah, here, motherfucker, here's a drop. I've been giggling about that for a while. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band from Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Buckingham Phallus. <laughs> and sitting straight across from me. We have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Oh, you know, just like a, a nice, quiet week of wrestling. You know, three shows, you know, a bunch of good matches. Nothing happened at all. Nothing happened, happened at, at all. all. And on that lying note, I'll ask the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside Podcast, volume 273, chapter 3, verse 14, and the good spark saying, hashtag boo the heels, it's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat, the Holy Trinity of BFR. Speaking of Holy Trinity, I wonder if we did like a six-man with like the Bucks, Ace, Punk. Who would be Punk's third partner? He'd have to have somebody. Would it be Dax? Would it be... Like MJF, I mean, it's just Dan so, Housen. Dan Housen, so many. Serena Deeb. So, no, I don't think well, she uh, was in the Straight Edge Society. Okay, good point. Good point. You know, I was who gonna, else was I in was there? Joey say, Mercury and Luke Gallows. Right? I was going to say, you know, jealousy from uh, AJ might be a thing, but if if he looks at it as a work, we're going to get paid, and you know. It might be something to it. And out there in the Pacific Northwest, Portland, Oregon, we have two beers. Zach Pullman, what's going on, two beer? BFR Weston House. I am just sitting here incredulous that CM Punk killed the Queen of England. <laughs> Unbelievable. I must kill the Queen. The timing is suspect. <laughs> he has kind of disappeared off the radar since the last 24 hours. You know, you can say what you will about the Queen of England, and you can say what you will about colonialism, and certainly I am not one to mourn somebody as powerful and with as much money as she had, but it is historical, but only for wrestling fans was it the second most historical thing this week, <laughs> because we will be talking about what transpired Sunday night after All Out for a long, long time. I've heard people call it, uh, the, you know, this generation's Montreal Screwjob, I, you know. History will tell, but we have plenty to get into, so much to get into Jason's making a face. I mean, like, as in terms of a news story, like something that's going to be talked about forever. No, I just, I, I'm trying to make the parallel to it, and that, that's going under the assumption that this is a work. Well, the Montreal Screwjob wasn't, anyway. We are coming at you from beautiful St. Charles, Missouri, sitting on my back deck on a Thursday night, and hey, buddy, we got lots of stuff to get to, so let's not beat around the bush. Let's get to that three count. One, two, three. JCB, kick it off. Okay, I, I, all right. I was going to start with all out, but let's just start with the, the matter at hand, and that is one cookie monster punk. Um, obviously, I'm assuming that we're all 
caught up to date. We know what happened at All Out. CM Punk wins the AEW Championship back. So I just assumed after that that, you know, they were going to do this press conference, you know, media scrum. I'm not too interested in stuff like that. It's, you know, kayfabe for for the sake of kayfabe. I don't necessarily need to hear much about it. I didn't pay any attention to it. I go off and watch some Noah Pro Wrestling, and I come back to the reality, and I am being inundated by, you know, tags on Twitter, Facebook, the whole shebang. Have you seen the CM Punk thing? Have you seen the CM Punk thing? I'm like, what the fuck does this motherfucker do? I mean, damn, he just finished a long-ass match, got his ass whooped a little bit. He whooped a little ass. He got the title back. I mean, what could he have done? And then I watched the video. For two minutes, he went on a barrage against Cocabana, Cocabana's mom, the elite, kind of just made Tony Khan look like his bitch because at a certain point I'm thinking, okay, Tony, you can step in at any point and just be like, okay, you know, that's enough. Tony just sat there. Um, it's, it is awfully convoluted, but I'll do the best I can. But basically this surrounds a couple of different problems with CM Punk having with the company. Number one, uh, Cole Cabana and their previous relationship. He had made mention of the fact of how they were both in WWE and they were going to make it together and one didn't make it. That was obviously Cole Cabana. And then Cole Cabana apparently, in CM Punk's words, got jealous, yada, yada, yada. Okay, another story for another time. When you bring mom's bank account into it and you're sharing a bank account, that's going past the point of, you know, you know, I don't care anymore. That's just petty. Why do I know? Because that would be something I would say. That's some petty-ass shit. Now you can move on to the Hangman Page portion of the program where he has a beef with Hangman Page about not taking uh, advice from veterans, but more so the workers' right promo that we had talked about in the last couple weeks where it seemed like Hangman Page spoke for some of the locker room. I won't say all of the locker room because this locker room, I would assume, is fairly divided. I don't know by what lines. It doesn't matter, but you got a punk. You got team punk. You got team elite, I guess, for a lack of a better word. Anyway, Punk took an obsession to, uh, yeah, exception to that, and he had made reference to that in this two-minute video saying he works for kids that couldn't manage a target. Shout out to uh, Ham with the uh, the target manager's uh, tagline for the trio's name for that group. I think that's... Get yourself a sponsorship. I guys. mean, that's, that's absolutely Comedy Central. I, this is one of the funniest things I've heard in 2022. So... Obviously, we have a problem at this point where Punk has now scorched earth, ethered, whatever word you want to use in the sentence. EVP's one of the better talents in the company in Hangman Page and basically made Tony Khan look like his bitch. So depending on what you read, who you read it from, there was some sort of incident in the back where the elite confronted CM Punk in his locker room. Some reports he opened the door. Others reports he didn't. Some people say he kicked the shit in. Doesn't matter. You got the elite and CM Punk with Ace by his side, throwing chairs, apparently hitting Nick Jackson in the eye. Um, Ace is biting Kenny Omega. I mean, it just sounds like an absolute shit show. Jericho comes out after his press conference. He shakes hands with Tony Khan. He's like, hey, you know, there's some shit going on in the back. You can kind of see Tony like, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, you might want to get back there. There's some shit going on in the back. So apparently there is a 
a scrum of some sort in the back where you have the elite and ace and punk fighting. I don't even care who's pointed it, whose fault it is. I mean, everybody can take some blame into this shit as far as I'm concerned. Go ahead. I, I'm gonna let me let me let me direct your direct your uh, thoughts to a certain place because I feel like a lot of people are talking about the fight backstage. I think the fight backstage is less of a big deal. They are aggressive people. They are all in shape. They're all basically young men, you know, young-ish men that are that are in a competitive environment. So the fight, you know, was fights have happened backstage at wrestling since time immemorial. I want to hear what your thoughts are about what CM Punk said at the presser. And I, I don't feel like calling it a scrum. I'm just going to call it a presser. But what are your thoughts about CM Punk at the presser? And then I want to hear Zach's thoughts. It, just, it sounds... Uh, go ahead. So much stuff has been said about it already. And I know that we're coming in here. We're doing our podcast four days later, which, shit, a lot has happened in four days, but not everything. I want to hear your thoughts. Tell me what you thought about CM Punk. It was one of the more bizarre things I think I've seen in a long time. Um, Do you feel like he was trying to get fired? No, I just think that the frustration of answering the Colt Cabana question and then now. But apparently he didn't get Actually, asked the Colt Cabana he, he question. He didn't even get asked the question. He launched he into down, it. Yeah, he sat down and just started talking. Well, no the, question. the guy that the asked him a question, like the guy that asked him the question, apparently used to do improv with Colt Cabana, and he was like, "So you consider yourself a journalist, but you're friends with Colt Cabana, aren't you?" He's like, "Well, I haven't talked to him in a few few years," and he's like, "Yeah, me neither." And then he launched into the whole Colt Cabana thing. Dave Meltzer okay. has said that he was there and that he he said that it looked to him in the room like Punk had gone up there with prepared statements. Axe to grind. I mean, I could see that. I guess here's my problem with this whole thing is that he's demanding other people to act like adults when he's not acting like an adult himself. Okay. You got a, a much of a, this much of a problem with Cole Cabana being on AEW or ROH or a part of this company. You probably knew that coming into this, and you signed with it anyways. You signed with them anyway. So as far as I'm concerned, that's not on TK. That's on CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with this shit with Hangman Page and, you know, he's going off script and all this other shit. Okay. MJF said far worse shit to CM Punk. I'm going to assume that they had some sort of meeting backstage. Yeah, you can say this. You can't say that. Or MJF took all of Punk's uh, criticism and or pointers beforehand and afterhand and showed Punk the respect. I mean, after MJF beat him, we know that he knelt over Punk for a long time and said something to him that we have to assume was some sort of show of respect. Okay. If Hangman Page doesn't do that, then that's another thing entirely. But this shouldn't play out in front of, you know, journalists, and I'll use that in quotes, or the, and the rest <laughs> of the public. It, yeah. I'm sorry. They're, they're just, I'm, no, I get they're it. They're just not. I get it. Um, that's some shit that needs to be behind closed doors. If you got that much of a problem with it, once again – if you're pointing the adult, then you need to be the adult. Instead of pointing like, oh, these guys are acting like kids. Talking about, you know, the, the EVPs or whatever, spreading rumors and all this other bullshit. The biggest guy that's in the doing the most complaining is the guy that's probably, eh, I would say 50% at fault, at least, if we're going to play the blame game. Uh, Zach, what are your thoughts on what Punk did? 
think it was pretty much a perfect exemplification of what this dude is, which is just a toxic, egotistical, talented, but toxic and egotistical, absolute piece of human garbage. That's my take on it. Um, Mm -hmm. The dude just seems like an absolute asshole. I was talking about this before. Now that you mentioned the MJF thing, I really desperately hope that what we took is like a sign of respect and JF just leaned over him and he's like, I just beat your fucking ass in Chicago and you're such a piece of shit and nobody likes you and I don't like you and you're going to be out of this company in less than a year because you're going to implode. But anyway, I'm just thinking about that and retroactively he was probably saying nice things. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was wild to watch. Um, you know, I, I likened it to Montreal Screwdrop just because we're going to be talking about this forever and um, it does have uh, aspects because, I mean, it, it's real life bleeding into wrestling. But, um, yeah, some things that I didn't like, uh, besides Punk being an asshole, he didn't do anybody any favors. You know, he, he acted like, you know, said things about MJF, like grass isn't greener, it's greener where you water it, and MJF shits where he eats. Well, what was sitting there, like, just, tearing down the company that you work for if not shitting where you eat i mean it was insane to me that how he devalued the company and, and just he made just everything won the title. about him yeah he had just won the title he just made everything about his feelings and his ego and he's basically he says that you know you have a guy who never did anything which that guy who never did anything that he's talking about adam page literally carried the belt uh, for a very long time, main evented numerous pay-per-views that outsold the pay-per-views that CM Punk headlined, did better draws on pay-per-view than CM Punk. He was part of one of the coolest storylines in that I've ever seen in wrestling history, way cooler than anything I've ever seen CM Punk involved in. Uh, he was involved in phenomenal matches. And, you know, here he is saying that these, you know, EVPs, you know, can't manage a target, which is a funny line. Very bougie. I mean, I don't think CM Punk could manage a target. Obviously, melts down at like the slightest, you know, <laughs> little bit of anyone saying anything bad about him. The Young Bucks like started the company that is allowing him to put food on the table. He waited three years to see if this thing would even succeed before he decided to deign to take his multi-million dollar contract and then, you know, step all over everybody that has built this thing up from nothing. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, it was wild to me. Um, but, I mean, we can talk about the implications. You can obviously want to see what side of the fence I'm on in this situation. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Crashmore said it best, unprofessional bullshit. Absolute fucking bullshit. <laughs> so, uh, there is, uh, <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of different ways, a lot of different ways to attack this. And like I said, you've heard, uh, if, if you were glued to wrestling Twitter the way that I have been this week, then you've heard a lot of jokes. You've seen a lot of good memes. You've seen a lot of people taking it way too seriously. You've even seen a few people take Punk's side. There is nothing that you could say that would make me take Punk's side 
and even Zach just brought up a couple reasons that only reinforced my thoughts on it that I hadn't even thought of yet. It's like, yeah, you did wait three years until this shit had already gotten built up. You are tearing got down the guys that brought up this company. The part that really bothered me, and I'm not, I'm not one, of, I'm not, I've never been to a PWG show in Reseda, but when he takes a shot at those guys by saying these guys think they're still in Reseda, it's like. Did you see the crowd out there? The crowd wants PWG writ large in a very big way in front of arenas. Like, don't take a shot at PWG. Don't take a shot at these guys just because they used to be in PWG all the time because they've built this juggernaut. And granted, it's not as big as WWE, but it, it for what for what it is, which is a very viable alternative to WWE television and your mileage may vary on that word alternative but it's certainly not WWE it fucking has been a success it doesn't to me have WCW vibes this is going to be this is going to be this incident's going to be a fork in the road for this company and last night's dynamite showed me that I, it looks like they're going to take the right road now couple other things that I haven't heard anybody else say. First of all, if you've ever been on cocaine or if you've ever been on Adderall and you have to sit there and not talk, you're going to nod your head, but you might not be listening. So I'm going to give Tony Khan the benefit of the doubt and say that he wasn't listening to a fucking word Punk said. Dude, and he, he was, was just not. Yeah, and he was just nodding along. I, I, I sympathize with that. Being somebody that, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, somebody that is, I've never done a press conference on blow. <laughs> Been to, I don't know. I'm not good. Nice semantics there. <laughs> just not not gonna not gonna go on. Uh, the other thing that I haven't seen anybody mention, and I've seen I've seen some people uh, say that they were always anti-punk, and you know, like friend of the show, Lowell Holiday, uh, gets on Twitter and he said that he's always hated punk since 2002. I believe him. He seems genuine when he says that. I see a lot of other people retrofitting that they weren't fans of punk in WWE. I'm not going to do that. I was. I was a massive punk mark in w when he was in WWE. The thing about punk, though, and the difference between the WWE stuff and the AEW stuff is that in WWE, he was the indie guy that was going against the big, bad McMahon, Helmsley regime, whatever it was at the time. It's fun to root for a guy who's legit shoot trying to change the way that WWE works. And it seemed to me like he actually did for a little while. Now, he might not have ever main evented, but he also never brought in the well, money that John... Made, he never main evented at WrestleMania. He rarely main evented pay-per-views, though, also. This is true, too. This it is was true always too. Cena. Cena even, yeah. when, even when Cena didn't have the belt, Cena main evented, and he would always be the third to last match. I remember there was a SummerSlam where it was Punk versus Daniel Bryan, and Randy Orton cashed in afterwards, and they main evented, but it seemed to me they only main evented because Randy Orton was going to cash in. Right. When you are... When you are doing a press conference and you're railing against this thing that everybody watches, but also everybody likes, everybody everybody watched WWE back then, but not everybody liked it. 
it was really the only game in town, which which is what eventually gave gave birth to the indie boom that we're kind of seeing now and the wrestling boom that we're kind of seeing now. When you're sitting there railing against guys that everybody loves, guys that decide to make their own way in the business, guys that are trying to give people an alternative to the kid shit that is WWE, you're not going to have everybody's not going to have your back anymore. And we're seeing that. You sound bitter. You sound like you sound like you finally got your way. You're in, you're not in WWE. You just won the title against somebody who's getting as big of a babyface pop as you in your home city in John Moxley. Cause that make no mistake, that crowd was just as into John Moxley as they were into CM Punk on Sunday night. And you're still gonna act if you like if you meet an asshole in the morning, you met an asshole. If you meet assholes all day, you're the asshole. He's the asshole. And there's not anything that anybody can say to me. That will make me kind of take Punk's side because what he did was so many people, hundreds of people put in hard work to put on the all-out pay-per-view. Probably their biggest pay-per-view of the year. If not, they only do four big ones a year. And he decided to eclipse all of them with his absolute fucking bullshit. And he decided to take away from all of their work. And that's all that anybody talked about. So, you know, from this fan's perspective, fuck CM Punk. Also, why are you bringing up Cole Cabana's mom, dude? Um, unnecessary. Let it go. Dude, it's over. You won. It's over. Okay. He will never let anything go. Like, that's why I don't really see a future for him. Um, you know, if you guys want to talk about what speculates the, the future, I just don't. I don't see it because the dude has such a terrible ego. Like, the, the perceived light, like the Adam Page uh, promo that nobody knew what Adam Page was even talking about. Nobody even really put two and two together, uh, except maybe like super insiders. And then he's going to sit and stew on that for three months and then come back in his first promo back. He's going to harken back to Adam Page whenever he's trying to set up a match with John Moxley and like, you know, go into business for himself and do that. Like, Nobody cared but CM Punk. And, you know, besides that, there's the interview that Paige did where he said, oh, you know, I I just kind of like to focus on myself and trial and error. He's like, I don't go to a lot of veterans for advice. And, like, CM Punk, like, wants to take that personally. Like, who gives a shit if he, they don't want your advice? Like, he's so egotistical. He only gives a shit about his feelings and his you know, perceived injustices against him. Like, I can't imagine, like, him doing business and, like, trying, you know, turning this into, like, an angle or something. Um, what, I mean, what do you guys, what do you guys think is going to happen? Well, um, I think some of this has to do with the punk of CM Health, uh, CM Punk's health. Um, apparently, he has some sort of legit injury injury that happened during the it's match. A tricep tear. Okay. Out so, eight months. Okay. So, that could be to his benefit. Being out of sight, out of mind might just take some of this heat off away from him for a little bit if Tony Khan wants to keep him around. For me, I've seen people like, you know, you can't fire CM Punk. You know, he does all this. You know, he sells a bunch of merch, blah, blah, blah. I see other people like Bill, like, fuck CM Punk. He can go right now. I'm leaning towards the kind of the fuck CM Punk he can go right now. It would be different if... 
this was a struggling company. Granted, I've, I've been on record to say that, that this company has a, a bloated roster and you probably need to trim some of this fat. I wasn't considering CM Punk a part of this fat until maybe about five, ten minutes ago. It just really feels like there's no real way. He's, either he's got to come back and acquiesce to the guys he just napalmed or he has to go his other way. If I think I know CM Punk, which I don't, but I think I know of him, I think he's just going to be like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm out. I'm going to go ahead, get my triceps repaired, and then figure it out from there. If he wants to stay with the professional wrestling, which he doesn't have much options at this point, I'm pretty sure WWE is not going to come knocking at his door, and I'm sure he's not going to go to WWE's door. Either he's going to have to come back hat in hand, which seems borderline impossible for me to even imagine happening, or they're just going to have to release him and eat the contract and just go about their separate ways. For me, I don't think they they need CM Punk. It would be nice to have him around because you've got some storylines going that you could really make some money off of. The MJF thing is a slam dunk, and that's a more that's another reason why I just can't understand why CM Punk just did this. You got a money match on deck. Why? Why now? Like, there's part of me that thinks that he knew they tore his tricep and he was just, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you, on his way out because he also sang the praises of Adam Cole, baby, during that same presser. Okay, but then if you're talking about being professional, if you're talking about being an adult, shouldn't you be the one leading said example? I can't see, you know, to answer Zach's question, you never say never in, in pro wrestling. We've never quite had something like this. You know, something that got bandied about in on wrestling Twitter this week was talking about how CM Punk thinks he's a Brett, but he's actually Sean, you know, <laughs> which is in 96, which is really funny. Uh, I mean, Zach might have even said it last week on the pod. We might have been talking about that um, last week. Maybe if you would have put a microphone in front of HBK's face after a pay-per-view in 1996, maybe he would have said something similar to this. Um, It seems like a fun idea. They do it in Japan. You know, it's extra content for the diehards pretty much. I I don't see how there's any way that we ever see CM Punk in a wrestling ring ever again. It's kind of like Will Smith going back to the Oscars. It's like, it's just, it's almost impossible to think about. And it, that's really what I compare this to. Like, for a wrestling fan like us, like, that Will Smith thing was so fucked up that I thought about it for like a week afterwards. Right. You know what I mean? Say, is this a work? Is yeah. this a work? <laughs> I mean, this thing, this, this thing was so fucked up that I've been thinking about it all week. I can't wait to not think about it. I want to get it out, all out on the table. <laughs> Zach, what do you think is going to happen going forward? I think he's done. I think whether um, Tony allows him um, to, like, retire because, like, dude, first of all, like, the match was awesome. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But he did get injured, and this is the second time in a row he's not been able to defend that title. Whether or not, how, no matter how much merchandise you sell, the dude's an absolute liability. Um, he's a liability. Well, now so in the in the ring and now outside of the ring, that and that's a two part problem. I mean, if you're going to be able to be dependent on 
as the champion that you have to be available to defend the title or, you know, cut promos or shit like that. If you can't do the bare minimum, it's just to show up and just cut promos against MJF, Moxley, Danielson, whomever. That's a problem. And he can John Moxley's the latest fucking prophet of this whole thing. He called that motherfucker brittle. And show his shit, the last couple times you've seen him, he's jumped in the stands. That's his own fault. I think but he said th- brittle body, brittle ego, right? Okay, yeah. I mean, that's that's basically what he said. That, and now he's coming to pass. I'll tell you what. If, if Tony Khan, if he feels like he hasn't made his return on what he paid Punk, because Punk might have sold some pay-per-views, Punk might have sold some some tickets, um, but he both times he was champion, he was champion for less than three days each time before he had to give it up, or at least he never made it to the dynamite, I don't think. Um, if Tony Khan wants to make his money back and he can still use CM Punk's name under contract, I would sell CM Punk shirts that said CM Punk on the front, on the back it says... No, it's fragile. On the back, it says "fragile ego, fragile body." That would be a badass shirt, right? Wait, shit, dude. <laughs> Make that money back, TK. We got ideas for you, TK. Guy tried fucking with you while you were on blow, dude. It's, and I'll say this, and I'll I'll be done with this portion of CM Punk until we talk about the the physical match itself. If I'm Tony Khan, you have to make a stand in some form or fashion. Vacating the titles is cool. Suspension is cool. But CM Punk you gotta is... fire him. Okay. That's what I was going to say. You can, you have to crack down on this motherfucker. Not to mention you're trying to make sure, you know... You, got you can't work. lose the whole locker room over CM Punk. You also... Like, what do people... What does Warner Brothers Media or whatever think about this when they see that you're company looks like it's completely imploding right before your very eyes. And the world champion is pushing the lever. Right. Um, Zach- yeah, he's a total liability. Like, that's the that's the key. And, uh, I mean, what do you do whenever you have a company is you attempt to uh, decrease your, your liability. Um, and the easiest way to do that, and they absolutely showed on Wednesday, which we can talk about, uh, they showed one hundred percent of that company does not need CM Punk. They didn't Absol- even say his name. Absolutely, I, I mean, and they put on a great show, like they always do. It was business, like I said on Friends of BFR. It was business as usual, which is fine with me because before this bullshit, the business was pretty fucking good. Before we go, I do want to mention one of the fun, one of the one of the best things about this happening is dicking around on wrestling Twitter and seeing all these past promos that Triple H has cut, that Cody Rhodes has cut, that Hangman Page, that John Moxley. Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston. That's the one that really All these out. promos that they that got cut on CM Punk, and you just realized that these guys were shooting the entire fucking time. All the way back to 2011 with Triple H. They were shooting the entire time. Zach, which one of those is your favorite? Man, uh... I have to say uh, the Eddie Kingston one was phenomenal, but I had never seen the Triple H one because I just wasn't watching. And Triple H just murdered him. Uh, it was impressive. And it also, like, 
I don't know, like, you know, things, more things change, more things stay the same. Um, and kind of, you know, TK wanted CM Punk from the beginning and uh, he got the full CM Punk experience. Yeah. And Triple H or somebody, somebody that was close to, or somebody said that a source at WWE said, well, good. He's their problem now. Uh, the Triple H one was really good. What's really fun to think about in that Triple H one is that Triple H was the heel. Right. And CM Punk was the baby face in that one. The Cody one really gets me because I remember Cody saying during that promo, some people told me to save this promo. He's like, but I don't think that I'll get a chance to say it. Cody read he the right. He, he read the writing on the wall, and he he knew that bringing CM Punk in there was going to not be a good idea, and that it was. I mean, that promo when he was talking about how all the things that CM Punk said he was are that basically that he was all talk and Cody was actually doing what CM Punk laid out. He was actually trying to uh, revolutionize the business. He was actually there for the fans. He was actually, you know, you can say what you want about Cody Rhodes and you may like him, you may not like him, and maybe it was a good decision, maybe it was a bad decision for him to say, if I lose this match, I never get the challenge for the WAEW world title. But, I mean, that's pretty selfless, and I think that we can all agree that it's not something that CM Punk would have done. No, and I'll tell you, you know, another thing, we met Cody Rhodes just a few years ago Mm -hmm. at an indie show Mm -hmm. when he was holding a world title, Mm -hmm. and... He was the nicest dude. Like, he's one of the nicest wrestlers I've ever met. Could he's super gracious. gracious. And can you imagine, like, even just getting a hello out of CM Punk? It, it would, it I think would you be like, fuck you out of him. Yeah, I was about to say, it would be like pulling teeth like MJF. Well, when we crossed I mean, paths with his ass. I mean, damn. But really, I mean, you think about two weeks ago when CM Punk called that dude fat in the front row it's like you can make fun of dude for never getting laid but you had to call him fat you know because he's chanting Cole Cabana in fact the whole thing might be that guy's doing maybe that guy started the whole fucking thing I don't want to get off uh, on uh, conspiracy theories uh, uh, but um, I read a fun one and uh, I had to share it which was uh, you know uh, rumor has it that um, Kenny Omega you know he got bit by Ace Steel um, we, all, we all heard those Nobody, yes. So essentially, nobody disputes that CM Punk punched Matt Jackson, and he was the first one to throw a punch. Nobody disputes that uh, Ace Steel threw a chair at Nick Jackson and hit him in the eye, and that he pulled Kenny Omega's hair and he bit him. Uh, So those are all things that every everybody agrees on uh, happened. Uh, But I I read a funny story um, on Fightful that uh, Kenny Omega was essentially. Initially, just trying to get Larry CM Punk's dog to safety. Yeah, <laughs> I also saw that. Barking. So, I so somebody posted a funny conspiracy theory. I don't know if it was Twitter or Reddit, but they said, "What if Larry was the one that bit Kenny, but nobody wants to narc on Larry?" So they're all saying that Ace Steel bit him, and Ace Steel's gonna fall on the sword and maybe lose his job just so CM Punk's dog doesn't get put down. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> That's great. I mean, at least CM Punk has a legacy besides this. This is all Ace Steel is going to be known for. It. Like, this when he dies, it. it's going to be like, remember when he cut that one promo right before he bit Kenny Omega? <laughs> anyway, RIP. Anyway, stay tuned for House of the Dragon and uh, Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> 
Man, if I, if that was going to be my career highlight, man, you can kill me now, dog. I ain't gonna be going. I ain't gonna be the one that bit Kenny Omega. Man, fuck that. All right, so we have spent about. 35 minutes on this. I feel like that's pretty good. Is there anything else that you guys have to say about CM Punk? Can we get on to the actual wrestling of it? Yes, please. <laughs> all right. I, I, the counts are going to be all fucked up here, but uh, let's get to that two count. One, two, three. Oh, I have one more thing to say about CM. Jesus the whole Christ. The whole situation. I mean, <laughs> one last thing Man, to say up. about Make the whole situation. The whole thing was absolute fucking bullshit. Unprofessional bullshit. Hey, two beer. What's the two count? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a drop so, until the beefers come back around. <laughs> <laughs> drop of the year. It's going to win the beefers. It is. I, I mean, Tim Robinson won an Emmy. So. Yeah, so congrats good. to Tim Robinson. But, uh, so, um, I guess we'll talk about uh, AW All Out. Uh, seems like uh, so, so long ago. Uh, this, that whole thing just really did. It overshadowed uh, the whole weekend. I Dude. actually ended up for, forgetting to watch World Collide because of all this. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, uh, we have the zero hour. Uh, we can just run through. We don't have to spend a ton of um, time on uh, every, every match or anything because, you know, we, a podcast would be Six way too long. long, but I will say that um, overall, um, I was not upset that I purchased this pay per view. But uh, I thought that for the most part, usually these are like very good shows, like top to bottom. I was really like maybe like four matches I was into um, over this whole. Actually, over the whole five hours, it was like probably five matches. Um, and that was not a good cadence for me uh, whenever there was 15 matches on the card and I was really only into five of them. So uh, it was a good show. It was not their best show. Um, and maybe it's good that the CM Punk thing has caused so many people to lose focus on the actual show because if it's one thing that AEW does well, it is rebound after a tragedy, uh, the Brody Lee episode of Dynamite was maybe one of the best episodes of wrestling television ever created. Um, but that knowing and, Eddie Guerrero is probably yeah. in, that, in that same little tier. But, yeah, th- those three shows, I think, are the, the three best shows I think I've ever seen on just – And then this, this week's Dynamite was fantastic, and it, I think it kind of might have just laser-focused them. And uh, they're – you know, so we'll see. Anyway, it was kind of tangential, but I just kind of wanted to get my sentiments out about the pay-per-view at large um, without getting into specifics about the matches. So uh, we had uh, a mixed tag with um, Sammy Guevara and Tay Mello versus Ruby Soho and Ortiz. And this thing was a mess. It it was not good. Uh, Ruby Soho almost died numerous times. Uh, and then she did eventually get her nose fully broken on the final spot of the match, uh, which shit happens. Uh, you know, that's that's the thing. I'm not going to, like, call out, like, Tay and say she's, like, inexperienced or whatever. Like, uh, Yeah, you know, shit happens. Like, it's just a thing. But I think the reason a lot of, a lot of people kind of were up in arms about this is there was a lot of sloppiness in this match. 
Um, I thought it was hilarious that uh, Ortiz was dressed like Bull Nicano, though. That shit cracked me <laughs> up. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, that's what I thought about this. Callback to the uh, the golf cart is the biggest thing, my biggest takeaway from this match. Um, zero hour is what it is. I mean, it's it's for guys like me that want to get their merch. And, uh, you know, to me, that's the first thing I would get. You know, that's what I got when I went to Forbidden Door. You know, when we got in the door, I'm going for merch. I'm not worried about zero hour. But I did go back and watch it. It's basically, like you said, it was pretty sloppy from start to finish. But to me, the high spot was watching uh, – Sammy Guevara getting ran down or attempted to get ran down by the golf cart. Outside of that, it is what it is. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't, I'll just get my overall thoughts on the all out and then I'll, I'll uh, kick it over to Bill here in a second. I thought this was honestly the, one of the worst AEW pay-per-views they've done in probably two years. I was, it wasn't a lot of great bills coming up to it. There was not a lot of matches that I was looking forward to. And the few matches that we're looking forward to, Christian and Jungle Boy is the big one. If if that's the way you were going to go, if Christian was legit hurt, then just take the match off the card and just be done with it. I mean, there's like you said, there's 15 matches. You take one off, there's 14 matches. I mean, there's still plenty of fucking matches for other things to go around. Now Christian, you know, gets the squash win, and now he goes away. I'm like, dude, I get it. You get heat on Christian, but you really don't need heat on Christian. You could play it where he's being a little bitch or whatever the case may be. From that point, it was, you know, questionable booking, some sloppiness here or there. The matches that I thought were going to deliver, delivered to the for the most part. I was just I was not very impressed. And usually AEW pay-per-views for me are are a big deal. You know, I'm I'm ready to roll. You know, I had my Red Bull going, and it was it just for me. It fell flat. Uh, so sorry, I had to go inside and check on the baby and take a piss. So without we j- getting into specifics, I, I we just gave our general thoughts on the show without getting into specific matches or anything. Just how you felt about the show. I mean, I pretty much agree with Jason. I think that it was compared to other AEW pay-per-views yes. it was on the lower end uh there was definitely stuff about it i liked i really didn't hate the christian jungle boy thing because not only did it get heat on christian but now jungle boy can transfer over to a feud with luchasaurus and go over there told you he didn't flip danielson and call that daniel yeah you did well danielson and jericho underdelivered I don't think that there's any other way to say it. I don't know if the crowd was tired. I don't know. This was a, a quiet crowd from the jump. I mean, outside of few spots here and there, this was a pretty subdued crowd. I mean, they were hot as fuck for Ishii Kingston. They were hot as fuck for Punk what Moxley. Did I, what did I say? For the most part. Um, I do want to give Jason his props because Jason – Almost had a yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, there's no way I went undefeated. <laughs> almost, really. The, the only thing, the only one that you missed. Only missed one. And it was the the uh, the 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 multi man ladder match at the beginning. Yeah. If you would have picked TBD as number one, you would have had a perfect <laughs> fourteen match pay per view. I'll take thirteen, which is. We've never seen anything like that here on the Band from Ringside podcast. That is uh, really impressive. That, you that picked, was the liquor talking. You picked 
every single match correctly except for that one. And you had TBD as your third most likely to win. That is a sign up for your free account on DraftKings. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. Next thing you know, I'll be losing money left and right. Credit, credit where it's due, Thank you. Jason. That's very good. I'll Thank also you. give the rundown for. All, I'll just give the points for all three pay per views. Uh, Z, uh, Jason came in first with twenty nine points. Zach came in second with twenty seven points. I came in third with twenty five points. Really, that that multi man match. Uh, th- that's the reason that Zach beat me, and that's the reason that Zach. Well, that's the reason that Jason only won by two was because Zach had TBD as the very oh, first why? choice. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about it. Obviously, uh, uh, well, here we can we can move move on here real quick. Yep. Um, through the card. Um, so we talked about the opening match. Uh, so we had super quick watches. This is definitely Bill's favorite match on the on the show. I'm sure uh, Hook versus uh, Cool Hand Ange with a celebrity uh, run in. You love this? I, <laughs> That's me laughing. I, I honestly didn't see it. The, <laughs> only, oh, okay. the only match that I watched from the Zero Hour was Eddie Kingston because I watched it today. I called Zach because I couldn't figure out Bleacher Report, and it was even after this multi-man ladder match. And Zach had to tell me what happened with the Sympathy for the Devil. I went back and watched it today. So, And then from there, I was watching it live with my boy Vice and my boy Ham. That's and, what's and we were having fun. Nice. Uh, I might have more fun if I was, I was very tired by the end of the show. I might have more fun if I was watching with someone. Um, but, uh, so yeah, then we had Sabian versus Pac, um, which was a solid match. Um, the, as soon as Chris Sabian started, or Kip Sabian, uh, started talking to the cardboard box, though, it killed the crowd and it killed me. And I was like, this is fucking stupid. Um, and yeah, so we had Sabian lose his first match back after, more than a year, and uh, then sit screaming at a box in the middle of the ring. Real, real deal pre-show stuff. WWE shit, but you know that's kind yeah. of my problem with the well, one of my problems with the pay-per-view. Go ahead. And then we had an awesome match. Uh, this is like a plus stuff. Eddie Kingston, Tomohiro Ishii, which we've seen this before one time. Uh, Ishii had, had beaten Kingston, um, New Japan Strong, and uh, they got 20 minutes, and they just beat the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. And it was exactly what you would want. It was exactly what you would expect, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. Uh, I was I was into this. It wasn't my favorite Ishii match, but we've seen lots of Ishii matches here on the band from ringside podcast being the G one fans that we are. Um, but yes, this is exactly what I wanted out of these two guys. The only thing that kind of sucks about it is that it was not the hardest hitting match of the weekend. It was not the most brutal match of the weekend, which which we'll get to later, but, um, I won't say it's the best match of the weekend. If, If you're, if you're guessing what, if you're talking about what I'm talking about, that was the match of the weekend. Uh, but it was very fun, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, then we kicked off the show with the casino ladder match. Um, there wasn't, didn't seem like there was a whole lot of time uh, before the finish. There was some weird stuff in this match. Uh, like It was like the, 12 uh, minutes. 
It was not very long. Yeah. I was about to say, I, I didn't get a time on it, to be perfectly honest. It, it didn't feel like it was long, especially in this scenario where it's a ladder match and you expect more spots, especially with AEW. You expect high spots, Phoenix, Rouge, Andrade, all in the same match. You know, you're going to – I'm expecting some shit to go down. I guess my – Yeah, we got go ahead. some stuff. No, we, we, yeah, we but I mean, stuff. it wasn't – I expected this to be like a 20 – 20-minute, 25-minute match at the most where everybody gets in and then, you know, you start getting the chaos happening. I don't know who said it at uh, Tinder's apartment or whatever, but it just eventually leads to where we're getting ready to go at the end. What if somebody just goes up the ladder and gets the chip before everybody comes out? And ultimately, that's what ended up happening is Stokey goes up with the help of his crew or whatever, and he gets the chip and then basically hands it off to MJF, which I was kind of hoping that we would get some clarity on that on Dynamite on Wednesday. We really didn't, but neither here nor there. I just think the way that they did it was just weird to people and people didn't know how to react to it. And I think that kind of threw the crowd off and it kind of started the the pay-per-view off on a, a wonky start because you we're programmed to think certain ways. And especially with this match, we're programmed to think everybody gets in and then everything happens. This was totally off script because they went ahead. The sixth guy came in. It's also, got the, cur- the, shit in the, it's also the curtain jerker, which right. is... You know why Zack Ryder won the U.S. title at WrestleMania that one year? Because they wanted to pop the crowd. They wanted to pop the crowd at the very beginning and make the crowd hot for it, you know? Upon retrospect, I get why they did it, but... They're telling a bigger story, yeah. At the time, I'm sitting there like, what the fuck is this? Who the fuck is this Joker? So, of course, I'm on Twitter trying to figure it out. MJF is one of the prime suspects. Oh, and I'm when like, I, okay, when that I, makes sense. When I called Zach and I was like, how do you get Bleacher Report to work? And he told me, and then he goes, uh, I was like, hey, what happened in the first match? He's like, sympathy for the devil played. The guy came down in a mask. He's like, it was obviously MJF. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, didn't, I was like, cool, right on. I, I don't. I didn't know that sympathy was the devil. Sympathy of the devil was a a thing, and we really couldn't hear it too well. So if I didn't, if I didn't know those two things, I'd have probably got it just as fast. Neither here nor there. I mean, I'd rather it be a little bit of speculation where you know who do you think it is? Who do you think it is? Versus immediately knowing it was MJF. Yeah, it was just it was just kind of weird because the the match itself had. Uh, you know, it didn't seem like Andrade or Roosh were like particularly interested in winning, which always bugs me about ladder matches. Yeah, they the guys were, are not okay. More to my point, they were like one of the, the two, the second to third guys in, and they basically had the advantage. You know, they did the LI, LFI, you know, fist pump or whatever, and then they setting up all kinds of other crazy shit. I'm like, okay, nobody wants, neither one of you jokers want to get this chip. That's my problem with this match. Absolute fucking bullshit. <laughs> Unprofessional bullshit. <laughs> I ain't gonna go that far. But, but what the wrestling that we did have was good. Um, you know, Pitta came down and Canadian destroyed Dante Martin on the ramp before he even got down. I'm like, damn, dog. Fun, fun that, okay, stuff. that's but, what I'm saying. That's what I expected. And then when I got the end, I was just kind of like, okay. You kind of need yeah. a big guy in one of these matches, though. You kind of need somebody to kind of offset all the little little high flyer guys. You know, I'm know. not going to disagree with that, but you got. I would I have guess, put Morrissey in there. 
maybe down the line. I don't I don't know what they're going to do with that uh, that faction. Wednesday did nothing to clear that up at all. No. Yeah, and uh, so I will just go on record and say um, I loved the intrigue and like the sympathy for the devil was like special because like you never hear like the stones because their rights fees are so expensive. So uh, yeah, we um, were all saying that they they coughed up a nice little chunk of change for that one. Yeah, first but, song I ever uh, remember I hearing: necessarily... "Sympathy for the Devil." Me and my sister yeah. jumping up and down on my parents' bed in our underwear. My dad, while my dad was going, "Ooh, ooh, ooh, ooh!" <laughs> I was probably like, I think it was pre-Jacob, so I was probably <laughs> two and a half years old. Damn, anyway. you remember that far back? That's wild. It's the first thing I ever. I, it's my first memory is listening to "Sympathy for the Devil" on my dad's little clock radio thing. I mean, my dad was probably twenty-seven. I know it's fucking it's it's stupid to think about. Anyway, what was next? That's that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yes, uh, my head just exploded. <laughs> he had a pair of rolled up socks. He was doing the microphone. He was he was being Mick Jagger. That's the way I remember it. Anyway, Sarah, Sarah, my sister has no recollection of this at all. <laughs> I bet she doesn't. Uh, then we had uh, the Elite versus Hangman and Dark Order, which uh, is a relic at this point. Um, but uh, this was an awesome match, and I mean, these guys went out there and put it all out there, and we we knew it would be good, and it absolutely delivered. Um, I think Alex Reynolds and John Silver really elevated themselves here, stepped up because they were in there with like four world class talents, and they showed that they can hang. Um, and uh, they should be super proud of this match because it was awesome. Uh, but, um, you know, lots of intrigue between uh, Hangman and the Elite, some callbacks, you know, to, as I had mentioned, uh, one of the greatest wrestling stories ever told that is still being told right now uh, between Hangman and the Elite. But, uh, yeah, uh, Bucks and Kenny win it, and <laughs> Kenny, like, stands uh, up on the ramp and starts talking to the camera and the guy starts moving back and he's like, don't you fucking move back, bitch. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, this is aggressive. And he's like, you guys in the back, he's like, you aren't going to top that. Nobody's going to top that. And I was like, oh man, I was like, this is like, I mean, um, I guess he's working there. Is he shooting? <laughs> That's <laughs> a little shootish. <laughs> so, yeah. I, re- I rewatched this match today. Sorry to cut you off. Rewatched this match today. And I saw Kenny say that again. And when I was drinking and smoking and I watched that, I really didn't think that much of it. But watching it in hindsight, I kind of wonder if that kind of pissed Punk off also. Come on, man. Anything pissed Listen, listen, I'm not blaming Kenny at all because to me that this was the match of the night. Uh, it was the – it was the – I have five best matches of the weekend – I watched every match this weekend. This is one of the five yeah. best matches of the weekend. Agreed. It was it was probably number two or three, and I I loved it. And I, I'm with Zach. I think that Alex Reynolds, a guy that I don't haven't really paid attention attention to, I've probably you know chopped him a couple times on this podcast, just being like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? I thought that he was outstanding in this match this was a tremendous trios match it was good wrestling it was good psychology it it sets up you know a lot of different things and coming down the line you know to me the the intrigue of the match is when early on you had 
hangman was like, you know, hey, that's his arm or, you know, hey, that's his, you know, fill in the blank, you know, injury to the elite, showing sympathy to the elite. And the Dark Order was just like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, we're trying to win the trios titles. That to me was the whole intrigue of the match. The match itself, I thought was really good. Like you said, it was I loved it when Kenny and Reynolds or when Kenny and Page dragged Nick Jackson and Alex Reynolds back to their respective corners so they could tag, tag themselves in, in because those guys were both knocked out, and then it was Kenny versus Hangman again. I loved when Kenny went for the one-winged angel on John Silver, and John Silver turned it into a roll-up, and I was like, holy shit, here we go. Thought that was the match right there. John Silver is a guy that has a lot of respect from Kenny Omega just to be able to reverse that one wing angel like that. I mean, it, you know, as stupid as pro wrestling is, that is that is something that you would only allow somebody that you absolutely respect their work in the ring to be able to do. Agreed. Yes. Um, so the crowd was dead, um, as was I, for the next three matches. So uh, this is a definite lull. Um, Could have used uh, some, you know, should have taken like a time release Adderall at the beginning and it would have kicked in right here. So, but, uh, we had Athena versus, um, Jade, uh, you know, TBS title. Um, you know, not a bad match, but, um, you know, it, I think one thing that kind of sucked was Athena did her finisher and the baddies were supposed to pull her out of the ring, but they screwed it up and they waited too long. So Jade had to kick out. So, you know, Athena's, Finisher is supposed to be a little bit more protected than that. Um, at least Jade kicked out, and they didn't, you know, do like a shoot, you know, count or whatever. But uh, you know, Jade Cargill has ultimate star potential. She is a star. Like she carries herself so well. Um, she still just, you know, needs experience. She needs more of these matches uh, before things get really good. Um, it was one of the better Jade Cargill matches. I'm not coming down on her. She's awesome. And she has a ton of potential, but is this okay? I don't know. I'm, I was not impressed. I mean, on both sides of the fence. I didn't think Athena was that good. I didn't think Jay was that good. Their chemistry was off. It just, I don't know. It just, I agree with you on Jay being a star. Okay, she has the physical look. It's undeniable. Her matches have not been that good. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing to say no, about this she hasn't match. She's never had a good match. Right. And that's my no, problem. She's with never had, she has never had a good match. She's pretty dominant. I, I really, for somebody with somebody like Jade Cargill, I care less about the match quality and more about the match variety on a card like this. Uh, I don't need Jade Cargill to go out there and have a five star class. I'm not asking I, her to I, do that. I, I know. I understand. The thing is. It finally seemed like Tony Khan realized if you're going to have 14 co- 14 matches on the card, some of them are going to get have to get cut short, and that was fine with me. Okay, then it's then not it's not like were you looking forward to this match anyway? No, I wasn't. Nobody was looking the, forward to this the match. The bill was horrible, but then have this. So that's fine. Then have this on a dynamite or a rampage or something. I get it. He he takes a lot of heat for not putting enough thought into the women's division. I'm sure he this thought This is that the he, reason why. I'm sure that he thought he needed two women's matches on the card. Look, if you're going to have two women's matches on the card, have two quality matches of women on the card. I mean, this this was not good, period. Okay. Um, we had FTR and Wardlow versus Jay Lethal and Motor City Machine Guns, which 
was way better on paper, in my opinion, than it was here. It wasn't particularly bad or anything. It just, uh, you know, the crowd was kind of dead. Um, I was kind of feeling along with the crowd. It was, uh, it just, it didn't feel particularly special. It was just more like a, a fun TV match or whatever. Um, it was well wrestled. I can't say anything negative about it, except it just didn't do a lot for me. Um, I did love, though, it popped me huge whenever uh, Dax's daughter came out and took Sanjay Dutt's pencil and broke it in half. Uh, that popped me hard. Uh, it was hilarious. As the guy that doesn't have kids or anything like that, that was WWE to me, this this match was fine. It just it felt like a Rampage match or Dynamite match. It didn't – a lot of this – and I guess let me start to kind of preface this by saying that some of this isn't Tony Khan's fault. You got guys hurt for an extended period of time. You got to make, the, you know, course changes, the whole shebang. Other things is his fault. This is one of those things that you could avoid. This match, just in particular, you could avoid it if you really wanted to. For whatever reason, he wanted to put it on the card. That's on Tony Khan. Now, at that point, the match itself in a capsule was good. For me, the only thing that kind of threw me off is a guy that watches Impact, and I'm seeing seeing machine guns and Impact as the heel or as the baby faces. Now they're coming over as the heels. I've never seen seen machine guns as heels, ever. So for that off the jump was kind of weird to begin with. If you want to connect the dots, that's fine. But, you know, make the dots connect and make sense. This was just more like an exhibition match. And that's fine. You could do that on Dynamite. There's no problem with that. You don't have to have 15 matches on an AEW card at all times. Yeah, I'll just. This is one of those times where this is one of those matches where you could have just done this on Dynamite or on Rampage and moved along. Yeah, I mean, I'll just chalk it up to him probably feeling like FTR and Wardlow had to be on the show. So this was his way to get them on the show. And that's which totally is fair. His prerogative and. It just does, it doesn't make sense. I mean, if it would have led off the show, the crowd would have been completely hot for it, obviously. But the thing is, you can't... Sorry, Mom, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> no. Send the voicemail. Oh, my God. Um, she's going to be like, how'd the baby do at daycare today? It's like, Mom, she BFR did, she did greater than Mom. <laughs> I've seen her five out of the last six days. It's like enough. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, yeah, you could have taken this match and the Jada Cena match, taken them out, and given time to the next match, uh, which is Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, that's really the only reason that this match suffered was it was super fast. Uh, it was mostly uh, Hobbs being dominant, and then all of a sudden, Spinebuster pin. It just uh, it happened super quickly. I expected this to tell a little bit more of a story because of the length of time that these guys were a team. And, um, yeah, this this really surprised me. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a rematch. We'll, we'll get a longer story, um, you know, something. But I was, I was kind of taken aback um, at this. Yeah, I don't think we're done with this feud. I think that the, the match length was – a casualty of the length of the card, nothing more, nothing less. I'm not reading too much into it by Hobbs yeah. go, going over dominant because Ricky Starks gets as much 
uh, TV time as he does, as much promo time as he does. I just think it was it was just too long of a card. That's all. I agree with that. And the, the fucked up part about it is I went out to go smoke a cigarette just before the match because I was like, okay, this is one of the, you know, the matches that's going to run a little bit. I got a chance to go out, smoke a cigarette, and come back, get into this match. Cigarettes for me take like 10 minutes. That's by the time I came back in the door, the match was over. You smoked those 100s, though. I said for me, me. Yeah, okay. no, you don't have to smoke 100s, though. Shit, if you play into Sega and uh, all that other shit like I used to, yeah, that's what you had to do. You're blaming so, this on Sega? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I got to sit down and just... Like pre-Genesis, get, like Altered Beast shit? No, like... You fucking when I was, old man. No, I, when you play Madden, you just can't smoke. And, you know, if, you play, if you play Pong and... Uh, <laughs> and Space Invaders, you got to put the cigarette down. <laughs> you play Galaga like I did. <laughs> Missile Command, you can't do that shit with one hand. You What's the other one? Two. Pitfall? Pitfall 2 or something? Okay, hey, the original Pitfall was no joke. <laughs> original Pitfall he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I played a lot of Pitfall back in the day. God I'm old enough to have played a bunch he's of Pitfall. 12 years younger than you. you. Get my back, goddammit. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, all right, uh, moving on. Then this is where things picked up. Uh, this was one of the best matches of the night. We had Swerve in our glory versus the Acclaimed. I uh, can't remember the specifics of the match right now, or not the match, uh, the rap right now, but I do remember uh, this being one of Max Gaffer's better uh, entrance raps. And, um, oh, my God, this match, uh, you know, I, I picked the Acclaimed to win, and uh, I'm pretty sure the entire uh, all-out arena picked the acclaim to win. Uh, these guys were so over, and everybody was so into this match, and Swerve and um, uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, the other uh, guy. Keith Lee were... <laughs> I, I kept, because of the stupid name, I kept thinking Glory, and I'm like, what is it, Tim Glory? Yeah, what's his name? Something Glory. Paul Roma? Yeah. It's just the stupidest name in existence, but... Uh, yeah, um, I mean, just a fantastic tag team match. Uh, they told uh, a, a phenomenal story. Teased the breakup even more because, I mean, Swerve in Our Glory is, is destined for a breakup. This has been a thing for a long time, but it's a slow build. And, you know, uh, Swerve almost cost them the titles by uh, kicking Keith Lee. Everybody wanted to win, even to the point where in, in that scrum, I don't know if you guys just watched the CM Punk stuff, but there were other people being interviewed and one of them was uh, swerving Keith Lee and one of the dudes, one of the like um, reporters or whatever, not a very good reporter asked the tag team champions if they thought that Tony Khan should have called an audible tonight, which is an amazingly stupid question to ask a performer uh, who has won their match. God um, damn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about it, but damn, I wouldn't have asked that question. That's like in the su- in the Super Bowl buildup when that guy asked Doug Williams, how long have you been a black, black quarterback? quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my life. But uh, what did you guys think of the match? I, I loved it. I, I, you know. I thought they should have changed the titles, but uh, calling an audible is a, a weird thing to do. I mean, you can say it; it sounds fun. Um, I don't know. I don't know how. You know, I don't know how you, 
you feel as a as a booker, like you know, just going by one crowd's reaction. But that crowd was very much into them winning these titles, and we have a rematch coming up in a couple of weeks. I would, I first of all, I was one of the one of my best one of my favorite things in wrestling is when something gets over completely organically, you know, like Rusev Day or uh, Damian Mizdow, shit like that. And the acclaimed kind of seemed like a middling tag team that people started to like, and then they started to like more. And then they just exploded on Sunday night. I was, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I definitely didn't think adding Billy Gunn to the act was the right move. I didn't think it was the wrong move, but I didn't think it was going to get them over. I'm amazed at how much Scissor Me Daddy is over. I was amazed at that Chicago crowd's reaction, especially when you have a couple indie darlings like Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland in the match with them. I thought the match was really, really fucking good. That crowd would have exploded if the acclaimed would have gone over. And yet, I think that the way they followed it up with on Wednesday night, which we'll get to, I think that it was the right move because they basically did a double turn. The acclaimed were heels. They've been creeping towards babyface, but they are heels now. Or they were heels at the time. Now they're babyfaces. Certainly solidified after Sunday and Wednesday. And Swerve and Keith Lee are definitely heels now. Especially after Swerve interrupted Max Caster's rap the other night, which was one of the most. It was it was a brilliant booking decision because the crowd was ready for ready, that rap. Yes. Oh, and then yeah. to have Swerve break it up, it was it was Before brilliant. It really got going good. He didn't even start. It was brilliant. Yeah. He just said, listen, listen, listen. And then Swerve Zirkland was like, listen. Shut the fuck up. Um, love the match. I love the match. It's it's one of my top five. I, I didn't put a list on, you know, top five matches of the weekend, but this was really good. It's on my top five also. Um, when I was at Tinder's apartment and he had a couple of his, his friends over that, you know, wrestled with him, it, at, uh, wrestling at the Grandel, I think they done some uh, Gory Pro as well. They were asking for the Audible to flip the titles. So, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, they're right, but, I mean, at least it makes me feel like I wasn't the only one thinking crazy, like, you know, oh, man, this is a chance to, you know, really, you know, establish, stamp the acclaim as big-time baby faces on the tag team division side. How you do it, I guess there is the ultimate problem because everybody's on this script, and then if you got to deviate from that script, that's going to be a problem. If there was a time to do it, I think that was the time to do it. It got the crowd bad. The pop for that, I would have been amazing to see. I still don't get what Billy Gunn and the Acclaim have to do with anything, but people love it, so... By all means, knock yourself out. Get over any way you can get over. That's all and that, it, ma- that's it, all that matters. It, it takes Billy Gunn to get the acclaimed over, which I thought they were over to begin with. More so to that point, I'll just say this. If they win at Wrestling Grand Slam, this feels like the makeup call to me in basketball. Yes. That makes sense. Um, and then uh, we had the four-way with uh, the AW Women's title or interim title, rather. But, uh, yeah, we need to talk about that. Match initially suffered 
Uh, I think because you had such a great match and the crowd was just so into the previous match. Uh, but these women, like, really worked their ass off to get the crowd back, and um, they did in spots, but it was kind of an uphill battle the entire time. Um, so, um, you know, a lot of kind of up and down, uh, you know, and four ways are, could be, you know, tough as well. It seemed like the crowd was really behind Peter. He has, like, an organic... Uh, movement and we got kind of a payoff to uh, you know begin the the Britt Baker Jamie Hayter feud that we knew was coming for months and months and months uh, where Britt cost her the title um, by pulling the referee out of the ring so um, but uh, you know Tony Storm won uh, most of us called that just because she was the one that was originally in the match to begin with all of us did Uh, yeah uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, it was okay. Um, but I do think the right person won. I'll just say this, and we had, well, I shouldn't say we, but I had this debate on Twitter about interim champions and, you know, the the good and the bad of it. This is the part where I think it's bad because now Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa were obviously – scheduled to have the title match at All Out. Thunder Rosa had to back out for whatever reason. I'll let you fill in the blank from that point. So when Tony Storm wins, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I think Tony Storm should be a champion at some point. I liked her to be the champion the same way I wanted John Moxley to be the men's champion, but another story for another time. My biggest problem with this is now we know – that Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa are going to meet at a later point. If you want to have the interim champion, that's fine. But then the interim champion needs to be at some sort of, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, Some, ca- not casualty, but some sort of, you know, peril or whatever. I shouldn't think that Tony Storm. She needs to be in danger. Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa shouldn't be a fait complete. There should be, dare I say, somebody that beats Tony Storm, and then that person, I'll just throw Serena Deeb out there. You can say fait complete, but you can't come up with in peril? Look, man, fuck you. <laughs> if Serena Deeb was the person, and I'm just throwing her out there because it's the first person that came to my mind, if Serena Deeb beat Tony Storm, and then you have a Serena Deeb-Thunder Rosa match, Okay, now we're talking. This is what it means to be an interim champion because the interim champion could lose at any point. For Tony Khan, it's like, okay, Thunder Rosa, Cody Rhodes, CM Punk, whomever, go do your thing, get yourself healthy, and then when you come back, we'll be having this match again. That's not a good way to book an impediment. Well, that's, that's what it's been like just one time. I mean, we had an interim title whenever it was Cody Rhodes, but he was out with COVID. It was like a week. And then uh, it, that's what it was with Moxley. But, I mean, that's your world title. I don't really see you bouncing that around. I think I think the interim champion could absolutely lose the interim championship. I'm not uh, saying that they can't. I'm just saying the way Tony Khan books it, they won't. Until he's done it just one time. I don't know. I think it's just, I don't think it's John Moxley there was really... the interim champion. He ran the yeah, table. You can make John, John Moxley didn't lose a clean pin until Sunday night in three years. And then who do you lose it to? 
Yeah. I mean, okay. We, we yeah. To CM Punk. That's my point. If he, if John Moxley would have lost to Miro on the way to CM Punk, now you have something that at least is now interesting. The interim champion can still lose because the belt's on the line, and you still have to pay, face CM Punk at the end. I don't. If you can't do Moxley and Punk right now, that's okay. But you still have to be able to progress other people's storylines moving forward. That's why Malachi Black is like, fuck you. That's why Miro is like, you know what? I'm being not I'm not being utilized as much. There are people that are waiting in line and you're sitting here like, okay, sorry, CM Punk. You just broke your foot because you jumped into the fucking crowd. Okay, we'll hold the title for you and then let John Moxley run this shit the way he dude, don't even get me started. John Moxley is Sounds getting like you're already fucked. started. John Moxley is getting fucked fucked in this he should be on vacation right now and you jokers can't get along for five fucking minutes so now he has to come back on wednesday to come back have a state of the union address hell of this shit hey everybody it's john moxley we'll get to that look that's a, i don't i don't think that having john moxley carry that interim title without losing a match is a mistake like you're using john moxley as an example like he is an outlier um, he might be the best at professional wrestling right now. Nobody's disagreeing um, with that, Zach. I'm well, just I mean, saying. He's the only one that's carried an interim title. And you're saying I'm Tony just Don saying that we knew. We, no, it's not just one time. It's not just one time. We've done this at least two or three different times. And now Stony, Tony Storm's going to be the fourth. I will put bottom dollar to anything. I'll, I'll bet you $100 right now. Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa are going to w- go against each other for the AEW Women's Championship. I should have taken the piss before you start going on this rant. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't, like, I did not think it's we were totally going to spend fine. this much time talking about Tony Storm. I'm not we got talking so about much stuff Tony to get Storm. To. I'm talking about the interim championship. We have so much stuff to get to. I know I'm the quarterback, and I know that I should stop you at some point and say that this is just absolute fucking bullshit <laughs> but i didn't because i wanted to let you hear it out and then i kind of leaned back and i couldn't reach the thing so i just didn't stop you <laughs> anyway we all predicted it right jason you almost had a perfect night in predictions you should be riding high off this shit. <laughs> i'm sorry you should be riding high i'm sorry there's certain things that not that your kind not your kind of high but you know just riding high off <laughs> speaking of which what was next I just don't feel strongly about it. I just don't think it's a big deal. There you I, I was I was playing more devil's advocate and arguing. I don't really feel strongly about the interim championship. I just don't. I don't. It's just a different way of doing it. Is all in my in my mind. It doesn't really matter. Doesn't uh, bother me in the least. Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy. This one was polarizing. Uh, so I talk some polarizing uh, stuff. Uh, so Christian Cage shoot hurt. Uh, I think legitimately the same injury that Punk has, so he's going to be out for just as long, like uh, eight months. We had Jungle Boy come out and uh, Luchasaurus did the triple turn, turned back to a heel. Uh, I, I know that, you know, you could argue, like Jason said, he, he didn't think he ever turned, um, which was good insight, but the um, the fans, you know, were in, in storyline, he was a, uh, a good guy, so we did talk we had, a couple uh, of weeks ago about how he never changed out of the black uniform. <laughs> we did talk yeah. about that. <laughs> it was yeah, it's almost like uh, a, a total sign, you know, like a big neon right. sign pointing at heel, heel, heel. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
Christian Cage went over very quickly after Luchasaurus choke slammed Jungle Boy onto this like metal grate in Jungle Boy's back. Oh my god! Uh, it was like you Girl know that marks on really stake. rough. Yeah, it was so bad. It looked like um, it looked like after his dad banged Brenda Walsh. Wow! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's for all you '80s '90s kids. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't know if I've ever told this before. I feel like I have, but it's one of my favorite self-deprecating things that whenever I was in like fifth grade, I had, I was like, you know, just like big 90210 fan, like everybody else in the world. And I had like a folder for school and it just had, I didn't realize that it was like supposed to be for either like girls or like gay guys, but it just had all like the dudes from 90210 <laughs> and it said all the hot guys. <laughs> But I just liked the show. I had a Jenny, I I had a Jenny Garth one, but I was a little older than you, so I was just horny as fuck, just <laughs> jerking off like I five times a later, day. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I was like, this is the gayest thing that I own, which is fine. But just I was just socks like, on the side of my bed. <laughs> fucking, you can throw, like, Frisbees. <laughs> fucking Target bra ads hidden in my baseball cards. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought I was bad. Oh, man. Um Tori Spelling's uh, brother owns a crystal shop, like, in my neighborhood where it just, like, sells, like, rocks yes. and crystals, like, four hours a week or something. It's yes. hilarious. This is the one- content that people want. They don't want to hear about yeah. interim championships. I want to hear about Tori Spelling's brother having a crystal shop. So, like, he, like, he sells, like, probably, like, essential oils and shit, too. Yeah, and the shop is it's in a it's in a high dollar neighborhood with like high dollar real estate shop front and I was like, Who has the money to own this store that's open for four hours a week that's Aaron like, Spelling's son. It's Aaron Spelling's son, yeah. Right. I was like, Well this is yeah, yeah that makes exactly all the sense it. in the world. I, I show yeah. up to work. Why? Because I can. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's my passion. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers are like, like me. I'm like, man, I'm trying to pay the bills, man. I got an overhead to pay for, man. The cows can't get the place to build. I got the food on the table. This motherfucker's like, it's my passion. <laughs> I'm sorry, too big. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's fine. But, um, you know, I can see uh, people questioning why Christian Cage won this if he's just going to go away for eight months because you could just as easily have had him lose it that quickly and then come back and do something dastardly if you wanted to keep the feud back up, uh, if you wanted to keep the feud going, uh, you know, if he's going to be gone for a while. So that was, you know, a lot of people said questionable booking. I think it's fine to not put the titles on the acclaimed, even though the crowd was hot. Um, I think it's fine to try something creative with the ladder match, you know, like I don't think this was like terrible book, terribly booked show, but this one was a little questionable as far as like just logic and traditional pro wrestling goes. In my opinion. No, as far as I'm concerned, Christian should have lost this match. And as fast as Christian won it on Sunday, as far as I'm concerned, as fast as he should have lost it. Jungle Boy's, uh, like, submission move is a part of that arm getting jammed up. I'm not asking for him to be Cody Rhodes at this point. Okay? But, I mean, damn. Let's just be – let's have a little logic to it. Make it make sense. You got a wounded Christian coming out. I've been saying for the last couple of weeks that Luchasaurus hadn't turned. He obviously didn't, and now you have this result. If it was a longer match, if it just 
if Luchasaurus did what he did and then Christian came in and they had like a little match and then Christian won, I'd probably have a little less beef about this match. But to me, this was like a Mike Tyson microwave match. He looked up, popcorn's done, and now you're ready to eat. I'm like, damn, you know, I even sat down for this motherfucker good and it's already over. That's my only problem with it. Yeah, I feel you. Um, then we had Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho, which I was – I actually remember on the Friends of BFR page, right before the Christian Jungle Boy match, I was like, all right, it's just bangers from here on out. Guys. I, remember, I saw you saw it say that on Facebook. I'm like, please, God, because that's the only way we save this motherfucking paper. Yeah. And then we had, like, the squash, the Christian Gage squash. And then we had uh, this match, which was a good, like, technical professional wrestling match. But it just – it seemed like they were trying to have like a really kind of classic match and it just never kind of got there. Um, it never kind of reached the highest highs that it could. And um, I, I watched the Chris Jericho media scrum and uh, you know, he started off by saying that, uh, you know, they just went out there and they called it in the ring. And he's like, Brian Danielson is one of the only guys that you can do that with anymore. He's like one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's like, so we just went out there and called spots. Like, so uh, it was just kind of a different kind of match, different pace. Um, it was not the best match that they could have had. It was still a really good professional wrestling match, but uh, I thought that they could have done a lot better. Yeah, it never really felt like it got out of second gear for me. I'm glad that they're getting a rematch next week on Dynamite because I feel like I feel like they know that they could have done better. And going out there and calling in the ring, that's certainly their prerogative. It just It's too professional. They should they should be able to do it and get away with it. Yes. Yeah, you know, at a at a house show maybe, but maybe just put a little bit of thought into it beforehand. I don't know. I'm I'm hard pressed to criticize either guy. It just I expected more out of this match and this match let me down. As so a Jason fan, picked Jericho to win. He did. Does that surprise me? It yeah. It it's Jason. Jason was perfect. <laughs> I mean, Minus, yeah. No denying it, but he was perfect except for that. Except for that uh, chip match. I'll say this. Um, I just expected Daniel Gar- Daniel Garcia to be at ringside at a later point. Not saying that he was going to get... Right, that's why you picked him, because you picked Garcia was going to come out and ultimately turn on Daniel Bryan, and that would help Jericho win. Doesn't matter why you're right. It just matters that you're right. right. I thought that just not having him out there just kind of took a... And it it wasn't like it, it was a lot of the match, but to me... That's why we're having this match. It's the fight for Daniel Garcia. And the fact that he wasn't out there at all, even after the fact, it kind of threw me a little bit. The match was good, not great. Yeah. Um, then we had out the black versus Sting, Darby Allen, and Miro. And, I mean, this thing was fun. Uh, definitely kind of good spot on the card, too, uh, because any Sting match anymore is just an absolute party match. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Gives you a breather, gives you time to have fun before something more serious, which um, little did we know how goddamn deathly serious the night was going to get. But uh, it uh, it was it was good, and uh, you know, Sting continues his streak. And I think the big news point of the night here, though, is that um, House of Black, specifically Malachi Black, kind of a little bit of a curtain call at the end, uh, waved to the crowd, kiss him goodbye. It looks like he's out the door. 
uh, for one reason or another. Um, not a lot of news, which tends to uh, kind of lean towards uh, personal stuff. Um, so, you know, granted a quote unquote conditional release, which essentially means like, yeah, you can have your time off or your release or whatever, but you're not going to go to it you know, another promotion. It is a six-month six non-compete clause with basically he can't go sign with WWE for six months. Oh, that's the that's the condition. That was the condition. I didn't see that. Yep. I who, uh, who reported that? Uh, I think that Sean Ross Sapp reported that today. I want to say I was at work, so I, cool. I I didn't have a chance to uh, sit on West, wrestling trade the way. I, 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 I heard it. I heard it on the podcast. I can't remember who they quoted, but it was a podcast that I trust. I'll say this. Yeah, there's like three dudes that I trust. You know, it's like Observer, like Melter and Alvarez. Sean Ross Sapp, and then, like, Wade Keller. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple other guys. Mike Johnson. There's, 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 like, there's, like, five. You can count them on one hand. Somebody, like, somebody, right. somebody made fun of Sean Ross Sapp this week for not being a journalist. He's like, yeah, I'm not a journalist. I'm a rumors and news guy. I sell wiener pills on my podcast. He's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never claimed to be a journalist. At all. And, yeah, like, completely self-aware. Yeah. And, and Bischoff retweeted it saying he's, like, best tweet ever. No, it's just, it's just the truth. <laughs> I mean, let's just call it for what it is. I'll just say this. Malachi Black, I won't call him a disappointment. I'll I'll say I'm going to go under the assumption that it's, it's bigger than what we see on screen. Okay? And that's acceptable at this point. I'd rather him go away for six months and then come back refreshed, energized, and if he signs with WWE, so be it. If he comes back to AEW, so be it. But for me... I don't want him to be miserable at work. I want to. I want to see the best Alistair slash Malachi Black I can possibly see. Tommy Gann, whatever, whatever name he wants to go with. And if that means he got to go away for six months, that's fine. the The crazy part about this is, a month ago, we were over here like you know WWE might be in a little trouble. AEW is good, and now a month later, it's almost like almost. Not saying AEW is in trouble, but their shit is a little bit of a turmoil, and WWE seems to be on point again. This week, if if this week is to prove us anything, I think a year from now we'll look back at this time and be like, well, this is when business picked up. This is when it really got fun because... Tony Khan's talking about he ain't going to put up with this bullshit no more. Well, like, man, you better uh, sit your ass down. <laughs> I forget who it says. I forget who said it. It might have been, I think it's David Fincher. It's some director where he's like, nothing brings out more creativity than than uh, guidelines or than like rules you have to play by or than restrictions. It's like then when you get restrictions, when you don't get every guy that you want. Then all of a sudden you have to start actually being creative. You know, when you when things are fucked up, then that's when you have to start getting creative, you know. And kudos to Tony Khan, okay? He's lost a lot of guys that I'm sure he had plans for for the twenty twenty two season. But Yeah. This- I actually listened to an interview with him on Saturday and he did almost two hours of Meltzer and he talked a lot about how thrilled he was to have a full roster, or an almost full roster, like after all himself. out, we'll have, yeah, and then immediately loses four of his biggest stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was next? 
the main event, uh, which uh, I think, you know, all my comments about uh, CM Punk aside, like as a person, uh, this was probably the match of the night for me. This thing was so, so much heat. Um, it's not I, just because of the main event aspect of it. Um, you know, these guys are two absolute professionals. Uh, Punk did a great job, even though he probably felt like shit. You know, he was talking about his foot hurting. He probably couldn't do much cardio. Uh, but, I mean, he, he pulled it off in a high-pressure main event situation. And um, I also just love John Moxley. I think he's the absolute greatest going right now. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, this was a, you know, it piqued my interest. I was almost five hours deep into this thing, you know, four and a half hours deep. And I was, like, hyped uh, for this uh, main event. And, um, you know, definitely bummed whenever Punk won because, like we are saying, it was expected because, you know, he was never supposed to actually lose. He, he should have been the champion to begin with. He probably hmm. wouldn't have been facing hmm. John Moxley. Champion. Shocker. It's not the same thing that you were saying, though, at all. Like Moxley and Punk end up meeting up for the title. I'm just saying. I I don't even know yeah. what you guys are talking about. Let's just talk about the fucking match. Like, what are you guys? What are you guys even talking about? You know, yeah, you I got, don't really. Go ahead. I'm saying Jason got into it with me a couple of weeks ago about the upset thing. Now he's getting into it with you about the interim oh, thing. Oh no, this, this if is, you meet this ass, is far, if you meet assholes, if you meet an asshole in the morning, you meet an asshole. <laughs> I'm an asshole, and I, I will. I'll be the first to admit it. I'll be the first to admit it. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you know is this. A, is he eating a cupcake right now? <laughs> he is. He's eating a cupcake. He's eating a blueberry cupcake. Just, me- just my fingers just, while I'm talking just shit. Gnaw- just gnawing on it. I'm Drinking old. I'm old. Spender. I'm tired. I'm broken, and I'm sick of working with children. goddamn <laughs> <laughs> target. I like when Zach but, uh, said that CM Punk couldn't manage target either it's like yeah he'd get too mad at the lady trying to bring back all the stuff what do you mean it doesn't work (laughs) right now he'd be like oh you're returning this dress because it doesn't fit how am i supposed to tell the how am i supposed to return this dress to an empty-headed motherfucking bitch like (laughs) you if you wouldn't be fat you would fit in this dress now we have a problem that's that's cm punk to a fucking core i'll say this Shit was on clearance. <laughs> you should be happy you got this shit. I was actually Will waiting you share for a checking account with your mother. I was, <laughs> I was waiting for MJF to come out, and that's I shouldn't say that. I sh- I was waiting for MJF to come out and cash in, and that's how I thought the pay per view was going to end. I don't and think this that's is, the way the chip works, though. Is it not like Money in the Bank? I think you have to call a match. I think you have to say, "I want to have a match with you." Yeah, I don't think it's like Money in the Bank, but I'm not clear right. on it. Okay, and okay, and if that's the case, that's completely well, fair. Well, people have had it before, and that's never happened. Well, people, yeah, it okay, hasn't worked it, like that. We just saw something that never happened this year, where Stokely came out and just hijacked the shit and gave it to MJF. What's to say that you can't do you this? You ever now? heard of James Ellsworth? Yes, I was there, he motherfucker. Did pull Ellsworth. I was there, you motherfucker. You were there live. Yeah. Yes, I was totally there. We did the podcast on it. We did the podcast oh on God. it. Yes, this is a true story. We did the podcast on it. I was there that that week. And then when Carmelo won it again, we talked about it afterwards. Man, I you know, back whenever we didn't have to worry about 
um, talking about CM Punk or him titles. We just laughed about AJ Styles trying to put James Ellworth in a chin lock. <laughs> <laughs> that is really funny. <laughs> Back in the old what days. What do you think of the main event, though? Uh, I loved it. Totally into it. Thought it fucking ruled. It was 24 minutes. Perfect time. Um, I found myself rooting for Moxley. Of course. Very, 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 very hard. Um, and like I said, I'm not one of these people that uh, hated CM Punk back in the day. I was like, we were all excited to see CM Punk in AEW. It just kind of went the worst way possible. Like of all the timelines that could have happened, this was the multi-universe of this wrestling. was the one that this was the one that everybody was fearing, and it's actually what happened. It's pretty amazing. That's crazy, dude. I just I I would have never thought. I love the match though. I did. I'll say this, and we can move on if if we need to. But this is just my final thought on just AEW all out. I would have never thought that we've gotten to the point where CM Punk was exhausting. You know, I don't want to see him anymore. But now we've gotten to that point where I'm just like, I think we can go without CM Punk. It's not like he's the end-all to be-all. Zach said it best. He waited three years yep. before he came back and was like, okay, yep. we, we, you guys are good. You got Oh, you got a contract? Okay, now I'm going to jump in. Yep. It feels almost to the point where it's disingenuous for the fact that he's coming in now after AEW has been established when he could have came in on the ground floor. But everybody chanted CM Punk, CM Punk for all those years. All those years he was being chanted. And nowhere was, to be found. That was because everybody wanted him back because there was not the alternative that ended up being AEW. And then AEW came along and all of a sudden CM Punk was completely dispensable. And we didn't find that out until last night. I was he saying, was could have this whole time. We should have just been chanting Carl Mark, Carl Mark. <laughs> we should have been Tony j- Khan. No, we should have just Khan. been chanting MJF because MJF is a is one of the guys. that's the one I won't even call him the the biggest loser, quote unquote. But him coming back, he was the biggest loser. Him coming back, and then the ending of All Out was so good. Where I was like, okay. I'm not that mad. I'm just disappointed. Okay? That's karma. It kind of is. It kind of is to the point where now when MJF came out on on Wednesday night as the baby face, I was like, man, you know, this kind of works for like 30 seconds. I don't want it to be a baby face too long. But for right now, for what has all happened, yes. Him, John Moxley had the two best promos of Wednesday night. Okay, so let's move on to Wednesday night. And yeah, we can segue, and that's a great segue because it, those two it, opening the show was phenomenal. Without getting into the minutia of their like actual uh, promo uh, stuff, you know, MJF playing just in and by by me playing playing the baby face <laughs> so good. Moxley comes out not playing. Like he's not playing anything. Like he didn't I even look like he was playing the John Moxley character. He I was, was annoyed to have to be there. I was marked, and, marking out for Moxley's face, the the face that he was making in MJF. I was marking out. Yeah. I was like, "This is so fucking good, man." I will fuck you it up. Perfect. 
it was just absolute truth. And John Moxley usually just says the truth in character. And I think here he was just saying the truth as like Jonathan Good. Well, the, um, the look on his face was like slightly annoyed, but also like kind of bemused. He was like, nah, he's like, I'm not scared of you at all. He's like, I will fuck you up. <laughs> it was it was perfect. And then Moxley cut the ultimate baby face. The promo. ultimate baby face promo, especially in the wake of what had transpired on Sunday night, which was It's what we all needed. What yeah. the, what one of the first things he said was, I am embarrassed. And then he talked about how there were the things that happened in the business that should have been left to the last generation, which I thought was a fucking super money line, because it is talking about that backstage machismo type bullshit. At least that's what it seemed like to me. That's what I took away from. I'm not backstage, but that's what it seemed like to me. And it was the ultimate babyface promo, and they did it perfectly. They did Tony Khan in pre-tape. Tony Khan it refuses Quite a to little booze. But he is not an on-screen character, and, no. I, and I'm very happy that he refuses. He, just, he needs to be the owner and come out as the owner, well, and this is what this, we're going to do. I mean, this there's a lot of guys that would be in his position, like Billy Corgan with NWA, where you're in charge. Okay, now you're the Vince McMahon. I'm going to change the match to Tony Khan versus I feel like White. Tony Khan is the owner of the company. I thought that what he did, even though he's not very good at reading cue cards, I thought that what he did was come out and be like, okay, I'm still in charge, but I'm not an on-screen presence on this company. So this is all I'm going to do, and then I'm out of here. And because there's no on-screen authority figure, right. that's kind of what needs to happen in a situation as strange as this. Do I think he's a pussy for not bringing up CM Punk's name? No, no. not at all. I don't think that he should have stripped the trio's titles. I just... I no, just, you gotta keep it. You gotta keep it clean. Nah, well, no, whatever. I mean, Personally, yeah, I would have done it. They're all involved. Anyway, at, at a certain point, I think there should have been an suspension. interim trios title uh, <laughs> until the investigation was complete. He's heating up. <laughs> He's heating up. No, I'm I, getting ready to die. I, uh, I don't think that they should have stripped them though either. Um, they could have like later decided to strip them. Um, so we're stripping Buck. And not that yeah, because he's hurt for eight months. Also, like, what Punk did was on screen. What Punk did was on AE, was in an AE, with a in front of a table that said AEW on the front and said okay, AEW okay. on the back. I, yes, I, I what agree he with that. did was okay. I'm not in kayfabe. What a, kayfabe style? I already said he gets fifty percent. I know, but I just said it for you. He gets fifty percent of the blame, but it's not like the elite doesn't get some of this. Some of this falls on them. I don't know. They're not hurt. They can be suspended. You don't have they to have They didn't have to go to the to CM Punk's locker room. They didn't he have to confront them. He invited them there at the scrum. He invited no, them there. Okay, see, Donald he Trump. Said, come to my locker room. <laughs> well, and they also did bring the head of legal, which is like the number two in the company. Like, they, you don't bring your, your HR head of legal to go have a fist fight with somebody. And nobody and disagrees that CM Punk threw the first punch. Everybody agrees that that happened. I, I, I'll be if right I, back. If I got, uh, you know, you ever, like, get in a fight in school and then, like, you get suspended, like, just because, like, somebody hit you, um, you know, and, like, you're just, like, you're just, like, walking in the hall and somebody hits you, you're like, oh, you're both suspended because they have a zero tolerance for fighting. And it's like, dude, this guy just, like, hit me and right. I swung back, you know, like, um, you're not, like, doing anything. That's kind of what it feels like a little bit. 
um, I totally understand the parody thing, you know, like wanting to even at least have the semblance of being fair, even if you do kind of lean one way. I get it. It was it, that was a little bit surprising. Um, what did not surprise me was that nothing was said about it. Um, I saw a lot of people kind of tuning in, like really upset that they didn't address it more. And I was like, what do you think that they're going to do some like expose and he's going to like, they're going to just turn this into an angle or start shooting on it. And um, Look. I, I didn't expect that at all. Uh, what I expected exactly what we got, which is just some kind of clarification on the title situation so that you can move forward and figure the rest of the, the actual real stuff out in the meantime. No problem with the, uh, the tournament for the, uh, the world championship. You got a bunch of guys in there. Maybe you can have a little beef with Sammy and uh, Darby, but that that's neither here nor there. I don't have necessarily a huge problem with that. No problem with the trios championship being awarded on the curtain jerk on Wednesday night, get it done and being taken care of for me. I'm crowd. Yeah, for sure. Make, and, them, and, make them happy. Yeah, and it was a good match. I think the right team went over, question mark. I thought I think still think breast fans are going to win the uh, trio trials at some point. But for me, like I said earlier, if you guys are going to be fucking adults, then somebody's got to act like a fucking adult. Nobody was acting like an adult at any point. Even the owner, Tony Khan, was coked the fuck out more than times than not. And he was sitting there letting that shit joke, letting that shit roll. I mean, you can't have Wild West shit and then come back and then try to be like, Death, okay, what the fuck's going on? Death Triangle is your new trios champ. Makes sense, right? Have you guys already talked about that? Just kind yeah. of finishing up. Okay, yeah, just mentioned it. Uh, I do think the Tony Khan cocaine thing is funny as a meme. I don't think he's actually on cocaine. I don't think he is uh, either. No, I think he's like hyperactive. I on, think he's borderline autistic. Yeah. I think I think he has Asperger's syndrome, like a hundred percent. But he's just very. But he might be on an Adderall. Or at least an espresso, right? Like right before he walks out. I mean, his eyes are just like, I mean, come on. Bug the fuck out. Plus, Tony, Uh, if you're holding, (laughs) hit me up. Don't hide it, divide it. Uh, (laughs) Also, you're you're loaded, so I'm going to hang out with you all the time. Oh, shit. Um, So we had. uh, uh, Brian. The match was fun. Oh, yeah. And and, uh, to Jason's point about the, uh, you know, we actually, we can. Just mention it because that's what Jay, or where Bill was going. The tournament looks great, and we had the first match of the tournament. So this whole show was just designed as like press the reset button, and we're going to get back to the roots of what AEW is, which is super dope wrestling. Yep. And uh, yeah, and so I'm 100 really here match. for it. I was very like very thoughts on the main event. Uh, Garcia Yuta, I think the right guy went over. I thought it was especially fun. in in the turmoil what's going on. I think the right guy went over. Yeah, I think the right guy went over because the people behind Daniel Garcia. Sure. I, th- I think they're going to put the belt on Danielson. That's why I think it's ultimately going to happen at the end of this tournament. Is that Danielson's? Because man, what if they would have at every turn over the last year where they gave Punk a little push and get, put him at the belt? What if they would have done that with Danielson? Right? Wouldn't that have been way more fun? I don't want to play money more. Know. I don't want to play money more than quarterback. I mean, Punk's but Punk's Punk, run could have been good if he didn't get hurt. But when twice. you called yourself exhausted by Punk, it's like I haven't thought about it in those terms. But that makes so much sense. It's like, God damn, man, whatever. Like, why can't you guys just do your fucking jobs? 
that's what it's like to just be with a toxic person. It's exhausting. And, uh, that's the perfect definition for it. Uh, he's a toxic dude. Uh, I'm Daniel's I'm staring accounts, right at Jason when you say that. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Call me Mandy Rose in this motherfucker. <laughs> But, uh, you know, the match with Danielson and Paige, uh, I didn't expect Paige to win. No. Uh, a, because he has beaten Danielson twice already. Once, once. in a 60 minute Broadway. And also, he's a little too close to this this thing, um, I think, just for yes. political purposes. Yes, you can. You, you, gotta, you can have him in the match, but you can't have him win matches or, dare I say, win the title. It did, it did go to show, you know. You, they loaded uh, this show up with, um, you know, Adam Page is a younger star. Daniel Garcia and Willer Utah made event that they are younger stars. Super young. Um, Super young. Yeah. He did not go to the well, you know. If, a big-time Jungle Boy tragedy, promo. Big-time Jungle Boy yeah. promo. Super young dude. You uh, know what Vince would have done if he would have lost, like, seven people off his roster? He would have called, called Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Brock, what are you doing? Okay, uh, the Jungle Book promo was cool. I thought you the versus Daniel Garcia is cool. I didn't know that one of the rules of the pure championship, though, was that you – it's kind of like – it's kind of like basketball where you have to dribble, but they have to shake each other's hands like – They didn't shake every, hands before ev- the match. Every 30 seconds. They it felt like they just shook the hands the entire time. No, they didn't shake hands before the match. That's yeah, the only thing the I was kind of like, okay, what the fuck? It's ROH, man. You can also you know dock, dock foreskins if you have them. <laughs> All right, we've been talking about nothing but nonstop AEW for an hour and a half. It's time to move on, guys. Uh, let's get to that three count. One, two, Blame CM Punk for that shit. I mean, if we spend any more time on that, it's just... Absolute fucking bullshit. <laughs> Unprofessional bullshit. Uh, so let's talk about Clash of the Castle, because Clash of the Castle, and I really, there were six matches. There's only two I want to talk to for the... Uh, because of time, because we've been going for a long time, and I want to go watch the fourth quarter of the Rams game. <laughs> I was waiting for that. But, um, so, Judgment Day lose to Edge and Ray. We all did not have that. Dom ends up turning. He ends up, he ends up on Judgment Day on Monday night. Thank real, you. Real quick, Jason. Thank you. Thoughts on it? Thank you. That's my thought. Okay. Uh, Zach, thoughts on it? Uh. Dom is a man now. Because <laughs> Ripley turned. I wish I could be a man. man. It's funny that his name is Dom because he's a sub. <laughs> it is hundred percent, hundred percent. I was completely wrong, and this was my lead pipe lock of the week last week. Was Shayna Baszler would go over Liv Morgan, and I was the only one that didn't pick Liv Morgan, and I was wrong, guys. So you don't lead poisoning from that take. <laughs> really good. That's good. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Riddle versus Seth Rollins is exactly what you thought it would, but you I know, thought it'd be a little better. You know, there's two matches coming though. Uh, the women's match that started was clunky and lasted way too long. But I want to talk about these two matches. So let's start off with Gunther versus Sheamus. Zach, did you watch this match? I watched the whole show live and loved it. I actually liked this show more than I liked All Out. Yes, I agree. It was not awesome. what I would have thought going into the into the weekend. Well, there but... was there was no match on All Out except for maybe Kenny and Dark Order, Kenny and the Bucks versus Dark Order. That was as good as either of the top two matches on this card. Yeah, 
No, there were the Sheamus and uh, Gunther and Drew Roman were phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, but Sheamus Gunther exceptional. Um, I mean that I would call that uh, five. I mean that's a five star match to me. Me too. I totally agree. Uh, it. I don't know if it was the best match of the weekend, but I think that Jason was teasing that he thought that Gunther Sheamus was the best match of the weekend. It, I think it was without question. This is one of those times where you, you have the heel in Gunther, and it, it, in this case, um, Sheamus being the babyface over in uh, Cardiff. I thought Cardiff was an amazing fucking crowd. I think it was the, Dude, obviously the best crowd of the weekend. Awesome. Bailey was, you know, trying to shush them up. When and they by were the tr- way, that shit started at noon on Saturday. You Perfect. know how sweet that was for Perfect. me? I was like, Like, I was just dog. sitting there, like, <laughs> kind of brunch drunk, you know? Like, I hadn't drank, but I'd just eaten a bunch of pancakes that I made. And I was just kind of sitting there, and I was like, I got to fold laundry. And I started fold laundry right when it starts. It was like, it was perfect. I could do that and fold laundry, not a problem. Fuck yeah. Okay, it had been absolutely perfect. Um... They beat the shit out of each other, though. Really and truly, and it was one of the few times, and Michael Cole even said it when I was, I thought about it maybe a couple minutes beforehand. This is one of the few times where I, I see Sheamus actually catching that work versus giving that work. And he caught it, too. He did. <laughs> the fact that Cardiff gave him the standing ovation after the fact, I thought it was an absolutely, you know, class act. For me, this was the match of the weekend. Two guys banging each other out for about 15 or 20 minutes. The right guy went over. There was nothing wrong with it. Even that little bullshit beforehand when you had fucking Imperium come back, which is kiss chest. Oh, they're reunited. Thank you. Hopefully they're reunited for Survivor Series. And then you can go on from that. I think we're going to get – we'll talk about the main event and who showed up, but, hey, Zach, so Sheamus versus Gunther. Yeah, absolutely great. Um, you know, we expected to be two meaty men swapping meat, but, uh, you know, both of these guys are the anti-CM Punk because they can both dish it out and they can take it to uh, <laughs> he can only dish it out. He's heating up. But, I knew you were going to say that. Uh, Seamus is also just like, um, you know, Ilya Dragunov. Uh, Gunther should just only search for, like, ginger – oriented people to fight so that their chest just look like hamburger meat uh, by the time he's done with them. It just adds that much more. Like, Brian Danielson just, like, bursted blood vessels, like, all over immediately. But, um, yeah, this thing ruled. And it started at 10 a.m. for me. Like, I woke up, and I posted that yeah. Seinfeld meme um, and because I almost missed the beginning because it was 10 a.m. And the thing was done by like 2. Shit. I saw it a whole Saturday. I can do whatever I want after that. This match was incredible, and how can we, like, we have, what is Gunther's batting average? How many times has Gunther hit a home run when he has a big match to be in? When it's Tyler Bate, or when it's... Ted Williams. Right. No, he's batting a 1,000. Those Dragunov matches, the Tyler Bate matches. Even Joe Coffey, I thought was really good. Yes, that's and then he went against Sheamus, who I know a lot of people like us 
Don't think a whole lot about Sheamus. We just know that Sheamus is there. He's an institution. He's a good worker, and he, he hits stiff. But and it's that not like to me was the. But we always joke about guys going to the G one. It's not like we ever were like been like Sheamus going to the G one. Right. But actually, now I'm thinking about Sheamus, Sheamus in the G one going to the G one. I say, let's buy this man a ticket. But you could tell Sheamus was motivated. That was the most fun he's had in the ring in a long fucking time. There is no doubt you could tell. That he was just on fire. Gunther was on. Game. Gunther was on fire. The crowd was hot as fuck. Yeah, I'm not saying this is my favorite match of the weekend. In fact, it's not my favorite match of the card. My favorite match of the card was Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. That was another five star classic. That was that was it was a. 30-minute match. Jason's shaking his head, so we know how he feels. Zach, no, no, Zach no. how do you feel about it? You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think maybe Daniel Garcia should have lost in his hometown, and they should have had, like, um, you know, uh, I don't know, like uh, Anderson Silva come out and sing – uh, Kumbaya in Buffalo. <laughs> uh, oh, so that mean you didn't like it? I know I loved it. I just uh, I hated the the ending was like very cringe, but the the match was so phenomenal. Well, yeah, I thought I the so, ending I was, the ending felt like something that happens after the cameras turn off. It was a house show ending. Yep. Yeah. So they really why they show the it? Off. I have no yeah. idea. Like that's that's what sucked. It's like just I didn't even watch it. Tyson they, Fury. I made, saw what they were starting to do, and I was like, Nah, nah. No, I, I was like, What the fuck? I turned is it this? off. No, I had to see where this went. Tyson Fury coming in with Roman Reigns could possibly set up something with Roman Reigns and Tyson Fury, more so with Tyson Fury, I think, than anything else. I thought the match was really good. So is Sokoa. I was so behind Drew, man. I mean, were you guys behind? Like, did you want him to win? Did you think he was going to win? No. Him I, to win? I thought that he could have won. I thought this he could have won. This I might have been the audible I would have called. No, the, the acclaim that Swerve <laughs> versus our man, that place the would have ex- erupted. Oh I agree. my god! I it would have been the pop of the century. It, it's and it would have been a memory right forever. Forever, they would have played right that. They would have played that at the opening of like every WrestleMania for like the next twenty years. I, you I, know, like I totally agree. Listen, I respect him. So uh, here's my question. So I was totally cool with the ending, even though I was rooting for. Drew real hard. I was like, oh, they just, now they got Solo Sokoa, so now they got another person in the bloodline. So I was completely cool with the ending. But would I, would I have been cool with the ending? If Drew won? Yeah. No, no. If Vince McMahon was still in charge. <laughs> I mean, if Vince McMahon was still in charge, I'd be like, man, that fucking Vince ending, like he couldn't fucking give it to Drew. I would have been mad at Vince. No, and because can't. it's the Triple H era, I'm like, well, Triple H probably has a plan. I think it's still the, the is that, Vince plan. Is that wrong? No, I, I still think it's the Vince plan. Even if, even if Vince was in charge, I would have not had a problem with the finish of the match. Roman is the right person to win that match. Drew McIntyre is over. Whether you wanted him to win the yeah, title in front of fans or not is a totally different discussion. Sometimes you just want that release, though, as a fan. See just, the Acclaim versus Swerve no, versus Yeah, Corey. both of them. Okay. I'm thinking about both of them. Like the, the, the fans Acclaim kind of needs that more than Drew McIntyre needs it. I'm, it's just, it's just kind of mean. I don't know if I could do it. 
I'm not saying I could do it. Not saying I I couldn't be a God good German. Jo- God bless Joey O'Farrell. He has to deal with these problems, and the, the, well, then we have he's to. He's a good German. Okay, <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> just following for, orders. For me, if Roman loses, it has to be one of three people: Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, or Braun Breaker. Anybody else is going to be questionable. The Rock, questionable. I don't think Drew would have been questionable. I don't I mean, think it would have been either. The only reason that we're saying that he should have won is the fact that the crowd no. was so no, no, raucous no, in no. behind him. He was a great champion. He yeah. was, but it's not, it's not his time. Though. Also, like Undertaker lost his streak to to Brock Lesnar, right? Yeah. So wasn't Brock Lesnar? He was made before that, but like he is still unkillable, right? I mean, well, you had to put like you know a ring and you know a bunch of shit on top of him, but yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, okay, I thought that this match was incredible. I loved the WWE style, like drama of it. Is Austin Theory coming down, trying to we cash in? We never even talked about Austin Theory leading up to this match. Never even talked about Tyson. It. Uh, Tyson Fury. Uh, Listen, when you were watching it, it was very exciting. It was like, wow, what's going on? He came down, and I was like, motherfucker. I didn't even talk about his ass. I will say, though, that this, if Vince McMahon was still in charge of WWE, I'd be like, man, that match fucking ruled until Vince just vinced it up. He just he just had to overbook it. I'm, I'm, I'm calling myself out. Okay. I'm just saying... That now that Triple H is in charge, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's see how it goes. Zach tried to agree with me earlier. Let him agree with you now. I'd have probably done the same shit. Yeah. Uh, I probably would have the same reaction. Um, I don't necessarily think of it as giving Triple H a pass in the, in, except uh, just, I think of it more as just accepting that. They're just in on this Roman thing, and he's going to have it until WrestleMania at least. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Joe, you owe me 20 bucks. Well, it's still got to happen. As long as Joe owes me 20 bucks, that's all I'm worried about. And now let's talk about Worlds Collide. Please. Uh, The spot of the week was the Carmelo Hayes ricochet (laughs) double cross body block in the middle of the ring. Which is We've one seen of the, it so many times, but you've not seen like this. that, where both guys are going for a body block and it's like in the middle or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we've seen it. I know we've seen it. Not in WWE. Come on, we've seen it at least once or twice. No, we. <laughs> yes, okay. we have. Anyway, it was an unbelievable spot. It's no, a spot it, that can get fucked up so many different ways. And man, and Ricochet jumps later than Carmelo, but he jumps faster, and they still meet in the middle. Man, Ricochet is something else. Anyway, Carmelo Hayes versus Ricochet. Carmelo Hayes goes over. Right, this feud, feud doesn't look like it's done because Ricochet beat Trick Williams on NXT on Tuesday night. But wasn't my match of the weekend. Crazy great match, though, right? No, it was. It was. It's one of the reasons why I even wanted to watch uh, Worlds Collide because you had two guys that – Usually wouldn't be matched up against each other. Now in this match, with stakes on the line, with the North American Championship on the line, I love where Carmelo Hayes is hanging up the uh, the jerseys of the guys that he beat on the way up to this point. Major. So, so now 
even with somebody like me that, you know, watched a little bit of Carmelo Hayes but then went away and then came back, now I'm looking at these jerseys like, oh, he beat this person, he beat this person. So now you, you can see why he's this big of a deal as the North American champion. Zach, did you watch this match? I forgot to watch the show. There was just so much going on. Um, I'm going to go back and watch it, but I just forgot. I recommend that you watch the match and wait for the double cross body in the middle of the ring and tell me if you, you've ever seen that spot before. Maybe maybe it's, I, I maybe it's happened in Japan. No, it happened. I think I've seen it. Uh, I mean, I've seen it a bunch, but I don't know. I mean, WWE, I'm not sure, but I have seen that spot a bunch. Are you guys – am I the only non-hipster here? <laughs> Um, so, uh, we don't have to talk about all these. I was the only person that had pretty deadly, um, just cause I know how good they are. It's because I watch NXT. They're no, really they, good. No, they think, are good. Do you think, uh, Triple H brings back, uh, fashion police to, uh, have a match with those guys? Oh! I think, you know my feelings on the fashion police. <laughs> you know my feelings on Brazongo. Very fond of them. Oh, that would be amazing. Uh, I was the only people that picked. You're the only people? So you're like, only, two, there's two bills running around? I was here? the only people that picked, well, me and Reba. Uh, Dewdrop and Nikki SH, you guys were both right with uh, Caden. If you can name both of them, I'll be impressed. Caden uh, Carter and uh, Katana, whatever her name is. I can't think of her last name. So close. Katana Chance. Shit. See? They went over, so you guys got that one. And then we had uh, Tyler Bate versus Braun Breaker. Good match. No, it's, Above average. Very above average. The right guy went over, obviously. I thought that Tyler Bate, I don't know if they're going to do with NXT Europe, but Tyler Bate, if they're not going to do NXT Europe, like I said last week, I think he should be going to the main roster. But either way, the right guy goes over in Braun Breaker. And you can continue that run as long as you want to until J.D. Madonna or somebody else usurps him for the title. But the right guy went over. Good match. Uh, any thoughts, Zach? He didn't watch it. I didn't, no. Um, but Absolute thought, uh... fucking bullshit. <laughs> Unprofessional bullshit. <laughs> you a fucking guy on the podcast. Right. You got to watch it all. I guess that'll be, that'll be it for the three count. Let's get to those odds and ends. This is banned from ringside. Not much this week, guys. Uh, Bailey's faction is now called Damage Control, but Control is spelled capital C, capital T, capital R, capital L. You okay. guys, go, you guys, good with that? Yeah, I, I, I think we could have done better. All right, we are. We didn't talk about Braun Strowman coming back. Uh, he looked incredible. <laughs> do you think? Uh, do you think they bring back uh, the? rest of the riot squad and then rename them uh alt delete <laughs> sorry he's heating up it's actually not a bad name for a faction though either <coughs> bray wyatt <coughs> yes that's the question is bray wyatt coming back no that's not what i was gonna ask i was just saying did you see braun you look badass I mean, I'm, he's, I'm, he's an insane-looking human, is okay, what I'm saying. I get it, but, I mean, now we're getting to the point where what's, what is Braun going to do? I mean, there's one title, one, and Roman Reigns holds it. So, I mean, if you're going to do Braun coming back, I mean, it's it's title or bust. Not, 
Am yeah. I not right? Well, he maybe he flips a bloodline heel. We didn't really talk about Sol- Solo Sokoa, but it is cool. Solo Sokoa is a makes, cool wrestler. A makes sense. B you got Sammy J- Sammy Zayn drama. Dude, the Sammy Zayn tweets this weekend where he was getting mad at Solo Sokoa was there because he's like blood is everything, and he's like, yeah, blood's everything, but like, what about a guy that's helped out your family a whole okay. lot? Um, that's that's the next comment. That's the, why I love Sammy. The Zayn other thing the I want, uh, uh, Zach, do you mean nobody likes Braun, right? Uh, no. <laughs> did you guys see the cage match between Miz and Lashley this weekend <laughs> or the, on Raw? Did you guys see the I ending saw the of clip it? Of Dexter Loomis, and it was <laughs> the so camera good. angle. The, the is way great. they shot it was so cinematic, and then like to see it from Miz's perspective, and like, Loomis is just fuck? sticking out of there. <laughs> Legitimately one of the funniest things I've ever seen on WWE television. You knew who was going to win, but how we were going to get there is always my question. And when you see Miz coming out of the ring, I'm like, okay, where's Dexter Loomis? Where's Dexter Loomis? He pops out from literally see, under the fucking ring. There's perfect. Under the umbrella of professional wrestling, there's so many things that can happen. There's CM Punk. Going off on his company and everything, hey and then there's Dexter, Dexter Loomis, Loomis just like, sticking his <laughs> hanging out underneath the ring for like twenty minutes. Oh, it's my time to come no, out. Yeah, they had to they had to wheel him out there with the lights <laughs> off, like you know how they do it. Somehow they somehow he was underneath that ring. And That's he why came professional out. wrestling is the greatest thing. God bless it in the world. Hey man, New Japan. Can I say something about New Japan for thirty yeah, seconds? Are you going to talk about the Naito thing? No, it's not even the Naito thing. Fans came back and. I'll just say New Japan Wrestling is back, period. Very much looking forward to it. You should. It's a good-ass time. This is banned from ringside. All right. Tonight, we got some birthdays this week. I'm not playing the who's dead or who's not dead. This There's only one that I have a question about. Jesus Christ. Raven is alive. He's yes. 58. Yes. Brian Pillman Jr. Alive. <laughs> 29. No, we saw him on the uh, the Ric Flair last match card. Sarah Logan, uh, 29. Should be coming back with the Viking Raiders. Don Morocco. He is RIP. I know it for a fact. All right. Well, Joey he, does not have to talk to text you two days later to be like, Don Morocco is still alive. He is RIP. That was the only one I was worried about. Matt Morgan is 46. Always love Matt Morgan in TNA. Love the name of his finisher, the carbon footprint. Because hmm. he was the blueprint. Yep. Trevor, Trevor Murdoch is 42. Paul Heyman. You want to guess how old Paul Heyman is? Zach, go ahead. You go first. 61. Jason. Hang on. I'm, I'm carrying the one. Um, 64. 57. What? Born in 65. Damn. He's closer to my age. Holy shit. Uh, Road Warrior Animal. Definitely alive. Yep. He's 62. No, he died. No, that's he was, Hawk that, that was died. Hawk. Yeah, Animal still alive. Animal just died recently, I thought. Oh, Jesus Christ. You didn't know that? Absolute fucking bullshit. Uh, we also have Baron Corbin is 38. And Penelope Ford, Penelope Ford is 30. Now listen, every week... He died September 22nd, 2020. That's me and my wife's anniversary. She just walked in the door. God That's an omen. Yep, yep. Sorry to step on your Penelope Ford. What were you saying? Hey, baby. 
Uh, sorry, I got distracted there. No, she's still alive. She's 30. Oh, Jesus Christ. See, I'm not playing this game anymore. Why not? No, I'm not. Because every, every time I play this game, I, I look like the asshole because I'm like, oh, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. Maybe he's alive. No, he's dead. Rabbit fever. I mean, maybe you look like the asshole. Because <laughs> I'm the asshole. Because you're the asshole. For Vice, for Tanner Mahal, check. for Julia Farrell, check. for Wrestling at the Grand Double check. For Reba McIntyre. For Reba the Dog. Yes. For Xander the Cat. For Amelia the Cat. Check. For Zach Pullman, our friend in the Pacific Northwest. BFR West is in the house, Love of baby. our lives. For Jason Cornelius Bell. Right here bitches. from St. Louis, Missouri. I am Bill Veggie. Everybody check. remember to tip... Your bartenders and boo the heels.